Hey, hey, what's going on? Patrick James here, and welcome to the second episode of Hashtag Raw and Relentless, the show, the podcast. If you're hearing my voice, this is the intro for the audio version of the show. How lucky are you? Even the people on the YouTube channel don't even get to hear this cool intro. What do we want to say about the people on YouTube? Well, I think what we should say about them is that you should be joining them. So if you've ever been curious about what I look like and you just heard about me on the audio version in Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts, go over to YouTube, look up hashtag Raw and Relentless Patrick James and watch us on YouTube as well and listen to us. You know, whatever is more convenient for you, do what you gotta do. So on this episode, we got my buddy, Brian Mankata. Now, Brian is widely regarded as one of the top experts in advertising with YouTube ads. His agency spends upwards of $250,000 a week and returns millions of dollars for his clients. He's also the creator of the brand Hashtag Fit Professional, which teaches young professionals how to stay fit while crushing it. This is episode two. Sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Some R&R. I, I got love for the game. What's up, Brian? We got Brian on the podcast, Brian Moncada. This man spends way more money than most people make in a year every single day, which is fucking insane. So for kind of for the headline, the title that I came up with was this man spends 250K a day. What's the most amount of money you would say you've spent in one day? One day? I, well, I'd say it's probably close to that. Yeah, 250,000. That was probably a mix of a few launches that uh, you know of, as well as between a few other clients. Mm. Um, Spending probably the say best that's, type of money. Yeah, that's probably more on a week of what I usually spend. 250K a week is more more realistic. When I said other uh, the perfect kind of money, it's OPM, other people's Other people's money, money yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best kind of business. Yeah, <laughs> But of course, I have to make the money, so. So obviously, people are now curious, how does this man spend other people's money, 250K a day, and why is he doing that shit? So kind of give us a lowdown. Yeah, so quick quick uh, story is basically I run you I run a high level YouTube ads uh, agency. It's an advertising firm for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers who want to uh, scale their business online with YouTube advertising, and uh, they don't want to do it themselves, so they uh, hire someone like myself, and we do it all for them. We run the ads for them, we optimize the ads, we scale the ads, and uh, we make them more money by spending their money online by advertising on YouTube. Mm. So these are like the the videos that people have to skip before they watch the YouTube video they actually want to watch. Which is good either way for me because if they're skipping the ad, that means they're obviously not interested and we don't get charged for that, you know? Because yeah. we, we only get charged when they, when they either watch the ad for 30 seconds or longer or they click. So, mm. you know. Skip all you want. <laughs> I'm curious for all the people listening right now. I want wherever you're listening, because we're gonna throw this podcast everywhere where podcasts are hosted. So comment or leave a review or something. However, that shit works. But I'm curious if you guys have ever bought something through a YouTube ad. That's a good question that I've never really polled people on. Wow. Yeah, I'm interested to see the results as well. Yeah. I know Bridger did. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. No, Bridger, he blows my mind because he is the literal example of I bought this person's program. I'm going to really I really want to work with them in person. And then somehow he always gets connected to them yeah. and then gives them value and then gets in that circle. You know what I'm saying? Well, see what you just said right there is key though. Gives them value, right? Mm. He, he always finds a way to give other people value to where people just like 
guys like that. You know, you want to be around someone who's valuable to you and who's positive. That's the number one thing about Bridger is he's so positive. Yeah. It's infectious. You know, you, you want to be around someone like that. Yeah, for sure. Like yesterday, um, we were at lunch that you were invited to, uh, didn't end up showing up, but we were at Clark's pool, um, and just hanging out. And then Bridger leaves early and I saw on his Instagram story right after he left, he was giving bananas to homeless people, Yeah, yeah. which is kind of crazy because especially today we need that shit. So a little bit of positivity, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely today. Yeah. And I literally texted Bridger. I was like, yo, Bridger, you inspired me to do the Bridger banana challenge. And, uh, when I looked at the text in autocorrect, because it autocorrected it, and it said, you inspired me to do the Bridget Donut Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite. And he thought it was like fucking, he probably thought it was like talking shit, but I was like actually inspired, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Donut Challenge. <laughs> well, that still works. People would love that too. Yeah, yeah, everybody loves donuts, especially cops, bro. <laughs> talking about cops. <laughs> I've never seen a cop turn away a donut, I'll say that. Yeah. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, dude. So let's talk about that, bro, because this shit is crazy. I'm literally in downtown Phoenix right now. My man came early mm. because of the fucking shit going on today. Yeah. Um, two nights ago, Kate's telling me there's riots, there's riots. And I'm like, bitch, I'm working. Leave me alone. <laughs> and she's and she she's like, no, seriously, I'm watching it online right now. I'm like, you're watching the riots online and they're they're here. And literally one block away, yeah. they were live streaming the news t channel from the helicopter. And I'm watching flashbangs getting thrown. I'm watching the 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 parking garage get caught on fire because people are throwing Molotov fucking cocktails Jesus. at the parking garage. And then this the Chase Tower, it's this big skyscraper here with a ton of offices in there. They just break the fucking glass and the door glass doors to get into the building. Why? Why? Yeah. What's the point? There's no point. So that was two nights ago. And as we're watching the live stream, I can hear the helicopter above, above my place. So it's kind of surreal. And then the following night, which is last night, uh, I'm trying to go out to dinner with some people. And literally, we are drinking because it's an hour wait. So we're at the bar. And then our table comes up and we get a text and we go up to the hostess and they're like, yeah, sorry, we got to close all the restaurants in Scottsdale because the riots are about to start. What restaurant was this? Diego Pops. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, uh, they and like, you can't even get mad as a customer and I've worked in restaurants before, so I, I'm especially not going to get mad at it, but <laughs> the servers don't want that shit either. Yeah. <laughs> like the servers are literally struggling to pay rent. Like I was barely making enough money to pay my bills when I was a server and these people haven't been able to work for two fucking months. Mm -hmm. And then they finally be, are able to get back to work because Arizona opened up restaurants early and motherfuckers start breaking shit. And so luckily we left because like an hour later you got Jake motherfucking Paul coming in and breaking into PF yeah. Chang's to get some vodka. And all these people are breaking into the Apple store, breaking in the mall. It's like, what the fuck did the Apple store do to deserve this? What yeah. the fuck did the people who own the small businesses do to deserve this? There's restaurants getting burned down. I saw a man on Twitter get jumped and likely killed. He was just laying there lifeless on the street and it was live streamed to fucking Twitter, bro. Jesus, dude. Like this is insane. <laughs> like, yeah, last night, dude. So I was with Bridger uh, and Jennifer and and his girlfriend and, and two other two other people, and we were at Bridger's uh, girlfriend's place, Waterfront, right by Fashion Square, where they were rioting. Mm. And so I got a call earlier that day saying, "Hey, be careful. We heard they're gonna riot Fashion Square, which is like literally right across the street from where I live personally. Literally. And then and then, and then we're but where we were at swimming and grilling and cooking up food for just a nice dinner and some some jacuzzi time." 
they all of a sudden we just start hearing like copters, helicopters, just mm. like maybe like five or six helicopters just flying around circling with their spotlights too. You can see the spotlights going down. And then what freaked me out the most was when they, you can hear him in the helicopter on the, the megaphone, please disperse. You will be arrested. I was like, oh my goodness, dude, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden, everyone from the apartment complex starts getting on their balconies while we're in the pool. Like, what's going on? What's going on? And we start walking towards uh, Olive and Ivy, which is right across from where they were riding. You just see this mob of people walking, walking, like just so many people. And we just, I mean, we were safe, thankfully, but... Yeah, afterwards, uh, this morning when I was looking at what happened, yeah, they were throwing rocks and, like, stones into, like, Urban Outfitters. They broke uh, culinary dropout windows, P.F. Chang's, right, with the Jake Paul thing. It's just, like, there's, what, is that really the solution, is my question. Yeah. Because I know my answer, and I will say, that's not the solution. There's, There's no good that can come from breaking local businesses to try to, like, I know, I understand the frustration, but, like, what is the point of that? It's just not going to do anything to promote what you actually want to promote. My personal belief is I think it's people protesting in in nonviolent ways and shout out to all those people who are, you know, doing a demonstration where you're laying on the ground. That's fucking making noise Mm. that actually makes an impact. Right. But people running, walking through the streets, marching through the streets, just fucking shit up for no reason. It's pointless. Literally, when you said mob. I forgot this. I almost forgot this. So I'm driving. We end up going to dinner in Arcadia, mm-hmm. which is where the riots were not. And then when we're me and Kate are driving back from Arcadia, this restaurant, we we literally live in downtown where all the riots are at, like in the city. And so we're trying to get off on our exit, but all the exits are blocked off with cop cars because they don't want more people coming to riot, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have to drive like two or three miles down the highway to go onto a random road and we take back roads into downtown Phoenix to get to my place so I can go home and take my dog out to take a fucking shit, you know? (laughs) And uh, uh, so just to get into the road, which is crazy, uh, we get into the city and we start coming into the city in some back road and we end up seeing like this cloud of gas and it ended up being tear gas. Mm. And we knew that because when we stopped the stoplight, cause it turned red, we did not make the fucking light. And I was so pissed Jeez. because we stop right up front by the crosswalk of the stoplight and talk about mob. The whole mob walks across the street and we're parked right there. And motherfuckers, this fat fuck with a handkerchief, he is standing in front of my car on the crosswalk and he's just chucking shit. I have no clue what he's chucking, but he's yeah. chucking men, chucking them on the street at the cars behind me. So I look in the rear view mirror and literally I got lucky to get in there because the cop blocked off traffic four cars behind me, shit. turned sideways on the road. And all these fucking people are walking through and Kate started crying and yeah. shaking. And I'm just like, we're going to get through this. And I'm just in my head. I'm like, they're not here for me. No. So if I don't, if I don't, make a scene or cause a ruckus then i'm good i'm just gonna sit here and wait for this light to turn green that was the longest fucking light ever bro dude so when we were driving back from bridger's girlfriend's place which is literally maybe a minute drive from there to my place back to my place we were at a stoplight as well right between where everything was going on and there was just so many people crossing the street illegally like dude i saw like five guys right in front of us i was the very first car to turn left in this intersection and these these five guys just come in front of our car they're all face face masked up hooded up you can't tell who they who they are and there's oncoming traffic going this way and then all of a sudden they just walk in front of it like nothing like they didn't they were ready to die dude and then the cars are like beeping honking i'm just like jesus christ dude what are you guys doing and then the rumor is apparently dude tonight and i don't think it's really gonna happen but 
uh, I got a text from like Caleb and Ryan. It's like, yo, they're saying that they're going to uh, burn down the Optima tonight. And that's where you live. That's where I live. So, well, yeah, that's where I live. So, like, basically, that's that's like, whoa. Same with every other online entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Um, and then I actually, uh, I actually got a text about that from someone. They're like, yeah, well, good luck because the Optima, besides the plants, is like 95% cement and metal. So how are you gonna burn yeah. it down? And I was like, that's that's super true. Um, but yeah, dude. So we'll see. I think tonight will be fine. But like, at the, at the end of the day, dude, why would like I get the frustration, but Damaging local businesses and throwing shit at cars and local people for no, for like, it's just, there's no point, dude. And I just don't support that at all. Yeah. I don't support that at all. Yeah. Like, but I think, I wonder how much of this is stemmed from all the other shit going on right now. Cause if you think about the mental state of a lot of these people fucking rioting, yeah. they're probably struggling because of the quarantine, the shutdown. But if you think about this logically, which I know nobody is because everything going on right now is an emotional reaction to something. Yeah. So let's think about this logically. If you're struggling and you're rioting, what the fuck are you doing? Because you're just going to make it take longer to get the society open and longer for you to fucking get money in your bank account. And now, oh, all those stimulus checks that the government was diverting to paying your fucking bills, yeah. those are going to go to defending our fucking businesses now yeah, because dude. you guys are breaking shit for no reason. Yeah, and that's exactly what I posted about on my Instagram story this morning. I said, look, I get the frustration, but taking it out, on local businesses that have nothing to do with you or your situation is literally just the lowest of the low, like yeah. retaliation for like, cause we all have this primal instinct, right? This primal instinct that's just deep and in, deeply ingrained with us with our ancestors to like go hunt and like feast and like, like let out our anger. Right. But this isn't the way to do it because number one, you're literally just showcasing the fact that your awareness is so low that your solution to this problem is to just go just destroy shit yeah. right which is the worst thing you can do because yes like you said now you're taking a hit on local businesses that are actually going to support the economy and help it get back to normal and and they don't like they don't have anything to do with this and so if yeah. your solution is just riot and tear shit up that that i i sympathize with you because i can understand where you're coming from maybe you just don't have the awareness to realize that's not the best solution but it's literally the stupidest solution ever because like you said you're just making the economy go back to what it was when we were in quarantine, which is literally stalled and, and taking a back seat when really we just have to really think about, dude, yeah. take a deep breath and realize you are where you are because of your own choices and circumstance and, and daily choices that to do what you want to do in this life. Right. If you are literally hating the rich people and where the rich live or where the rich shop and you're taking your frustration out on them because of your situation and your circumstances, then dude, that's, that's something that I can I can I can understand because you don't realize that the person who is rich is rich because he gives so much value to the marketplace and creates so many jobs and flourishes the economy that he is actually valuable and that's why he deserves to be paid what he is. But you, on the other hand, who haven't created a business for yourself, who haven't started anything for yourself, you're so frustrated with your circumstances that you're going to go riot and destroy shit, then <laughs> that's just sad, dude. Yeah. That's sad. And I think it's not everybody. I not think there's people who have good intentions. I think it's the few fucking bad apples who are like, oh, if we break shit, then the cops aren't going to steal us from, keep us from stealing this shit either. Yeah. So they weren't even arresting anybody last night, I think. They broke into the Apple store. I'm pretty sure the Apple store keeps everything on lockdown. <laughs> but um, they got into the actual mall. People were running into Sephora stealing shit. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on? And, um, it's like a movie, dude. It's a crazy movie right yeah. now. And actually, I was actually just talking about. Have you like? I don't really read the Bible. I I grew up Catholic. 
converted to Christianity when I moved here to Arizona, actually. But like, dude, it's actually kind of crazy how revelations in the Bible is actually pretty similar to what's going on today. Can you repeat that? What, what was the first religion you had? Uh, Catholic. Oh, and then I converted to Christianity when we moved here. Okay, so you see those as two different things? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, because Catholic is like really, yeah, it's pretty different. It's they definitely different. have different laws or it's rules, like, not Or laws. at least the way the church is ran is like really different too. Yeah. Like you always take communion every single day. Always, you know, mm. you always eat the, the bread and you always drink the wine, yeah. right? You go to confession with the guy in the, in the, with mm. the priest, you know, and you're in that room with him, right? Which is number one, a little red flag. But anyways, <laughs> Christianity, right? So like, dude, in Revelation in the Bible, like it talks about how eventually you're going to get the mark of the beast, right? And people are saying the vaccine, is the mark of the beast, right? Where they where they, they track also you. talked about they fucking locusts you. flying in the sky. We got helicopters every night. Kate told me a weird tweet, and I I don't want to get supernatural and shit. I don't even know if I believe this one. Um, but apparently someone tweeted in 2016, "Hey, I'm from the year 2020, and enjoy 2016 because after this, it's it doesn't get good for a while." And like the the just the fucking if that's a real tweet and it's really from 2016. What fucking prophecy, bro? Like, yeah. I mean, dude, it's crazy because just like, I think it was four months ago, five months ago, when I, before quarantine and everything, I was driving through Old Town Scottsdale. And I was like, man, things are really good right now. Like, things are really good right now. Like, it's almost too good, right? Like, yeah. so, like what's something has to go pretty bad like very soon because things have been way good for a long time like uh, like the economy's thriving i was just seeing people at two o'clock in the afternoon uh just shopping when like people are supposed to be at work just through the old town shops you know all those little old town shops like jewelry stores and everything there's just so many people wow, i was like man yeah. this is the economy's really good everything's really good and then like two months later boom all this now yeah. and i'm like wow that's crazy because and i think that tweet might be pretty right hopefully not but i remember when we when clark and i went to go meet paul check in California, Paul Check, if you guys don't know, he's a holistic health coach, uh, super metaphysical, like just about the universe and like spirituality and just eating whole organic foods and just really tapping into your body and meditation, whatever, right? He and Clark asked him, he goes, so what do you think has to happen for people to wake up and realize that like what we're doing to the earth and these these unnatural food practices with processed, you know, uh, like, like huge operations for farming. What has to happen for people to realize that they're damaging their bodies and the world? And he said he took a long, hard, like silence. And he's just like, I hate to say it, but I think something bad, something terrible has to happen for people to wake up and realize. And and he's like, I don't necessarily think it's a, another war. I hope it's not that, but it's going to be something very, very bad where people have to wake up and realize that health and what we're doing to the earth and and trying to limit people from coming into this country, whatever, whatever, is literally going to like ruin us. And so like now all this stuff is happening. And if you go back and watch that interview, shout out to Clark Kegley on his channel. You can watch it and you'll see how eerily similar Paul Check predicted to what's going on right now. Yeah, dude. When I saw, I think... I forget if you put that on your Instagram story. I did, yeah, I did. Because okay. <laughs> I, I was just like, dude, this is crazy. He literally just talked about this to us a month ago, and then now everyone's dying because of this disease that most of the people that are dying from it is overweight, obese, and older people just yeah. eating processed junk, you know, or have lower immune systems in the first place. Mm. I was thinking about this, man. I feel like... I try to think about like what happened last generation, what's happening now, what are the shifts? Cause I want to see the, the trends and the patterns. And I was thinking like, man, my dad died from cancer at 65. Now mm -hmm. here's the thing. He could have gotten contaminated with agent orange. He was a Vietnam vet. Um, and that was like the, what they used to kill the trees so they can see shit, um, back then. So that ca caused a lot of cancer. He also smoked most of his life. He was also an alcoholic until mm -hmm. his fifties. 
So you get, you got to wonder, like, I think definitely whether you want to admit it or not, I feel like more people than not, especially in 2020, um, are more at least aware of what's healthy and what's not healthy, even yeah. if they choose not to. But in the 50s and 60s, when my dad was a child, yeah. they didn't know that shit. No. So I think naturally, I wouldn't be surprised if our generation, you you don't just see a little bit of an increase in the lifespan, mm -hmm. but I bet the average lifespan goes up by about 20, 30 years. 100%, dude, because we're now, we have now, we have more access to the information of what's, we can do our own research now. Mm -hmm. There wasn't the internet when your dad was, you know, doing yeah. his thing right like he couldn't go out and see well is this the best thing to eat can i or should i eat this right we do we can have that and so we have access to the information and I, I agree with you we're going to be a lot we're going to live longer we're going to be i think one of the healthiest generations ever and unfortunately our past generation before us had to suffer through a disease like this for a lot of people to realize that, dude, your health is your most important, most important asset yeah. without your health. Dude, it doesn't matter. Like you can be the richest person in the world, but if you're just a fat over overweight slob, dude, like you're going to get taken out by this thing yeah. or any other thing, right? It's not just this, it's cancer, right? So it's like, dude, pay attention to your health, eat clean, whole organic raw foods as much as possible. 80, 20 rule. Don't obsess over it, but just live your life and work out. Pay attention to your physical fitness, breathe, meditate, stretch your posture, especially get these, get these hips loosened up, man. Mm. Do you want to be 80 years old walking around, barely even to be able to sit up straight or like run around with your kids or you're just, stand up straight because yeah, your dude, hip flexors are tight your joints are inflamed because you're eating this processed junk all the time from like mcdonald's yeah. and ah oh, dude like it's yeah yeah <laughs> i started doing this workout program when you started talking about hip flexors reminded me um just to increase unlock my, your hip flexors <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that program <laughs> but uh it was just to increase my vertical jump and so i'm doing legs three four times a week yeah and i'm working ever to, since you told me that program by the way i keep getting hit up by that by that by that uh Ad. Oh, no shit. The dude just jumping up and he's like, yeah, 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 for real, bro. And so I only got into it because I saw a YouTuber um, who plays basketball for his YouTube channel. He did it and he increased his vertical eight inches in 30 days. He tracked his fucking progress. Jesus. And then you watch what the, the results and it makes sense because of the science mm. behind it. Right. So I'm working a lot of my VMO, this vastus medialis oblique. Right. And so that's one of the key muscles for jumping. And most people don't know that. And so now I'm targeting it mm. with all the leg exercises I'm doing. And, uh, and I'm also doing a lot of hamstrings, but a big part of this program is also stretching. So I'm doing five core stretches every day yep. and I'm opening up my fucking hip flexors way more. And I just feel better instantly. Yeah. Dude. We know a lot of people don't realize this. You store a lot of your tension and your stress in your hips like the reason why people have low back pain number one is because you're sitting down all day long on your computer working or just sitting down watching tv right your hips are just naturally in a lengthened state where you're just you're just like overworking them all day long because they're just naturally just up like this when you stretch them out and you like you're saying you just feel instantly relief because you're letting all that stress go you're lengthening your joints you're getting your joints mm. back to where they need to be and it, it, stretching is so underrated, bro, especially when you go to sleep. I realize this by tracking it on my aura ring. So I wear aura ring and basically tracks your sleep, your performance for when you sleep, how much deep sleep you get, how much REM sleep you get. And I now know my body a lot better because I've been using this aura ring for like three months. Mm. When I stretch for 20 minutes on my hips, my hamstrings, my glutes, and basically do like a reverse, I think it's a cartwheel where you just kind of invert the other way. Yeah. Was that um, bridge pose? Bridge pose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think it may be, yeah, bridge pose. And um, I get so much better of a deep sleep the next day or that night because I take the 20 minutes to stretch. So pro tip to anyone out there <laughs> yeah. who wants a better sleep. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm i so glad I got into stretching. But it, it like for me, I've realized that 
for me to get fit or just anything. I'm starting to realize this about me. Like this is a recent realization mm. that when I go all in and I commit, cause I remember you said on your Instagram story once, um, the keys getting like as fit as you can possibly be. One of them was just like, you have to have the burning desire to actually want to get that fit. Yeah. Cause you're not going to get that fucking fit unless you have the burning desire to. And so I thought back to times in my life, in my early twenties where I was the most, my goal was to be the most fit person in every room mm -hmm. that was, I told myself that every day. And uh, so I had, I was the most ripped I'd ever been. And I would, I remember like literally I was at a party with a bunch of coworkers. I was a lifeguard and it was in December. So I was probably wearing a hoodie like this and uh, we would we would get crazy during the parties and <laughs> but we'd play games and one of the games like if I lost that round or whatever I had to strip naked for a little bit yeah. and go streaking in the snow and when I took off my shirt everybody like got silent because they thought I was just a skinny kid but I had these fucking abs that nobody knew about yeah right and that was a good feeling I don't have those anymore because I'm 30 and I've lost the burning desire wow. but when I got back into fitness so this is where the realization happened and I'm working my legs every day when I used to hate doing legs day mm. because I want to increase I realized I care about the end result that the fitness gets me as well yeah and before it was the status of being the most fit and now I don't care about that as much anymore now it's like how do I become uh the 30 year old guy who's still crushing it when I play basketball you know what I'm saying and, and probably the mental clarity too right like you just feel better mm. after you hit that workout yeah because not only are you releasing the endorphins from the workout but you also stuck to what you said you're gonna do and that makes you feel good yeah so that that alone is probably why you you want to keep doing it too mm -hmm. like but let me ask you this have you seen progress on this program so far from the vertical <sighs> so that's that's the the down part is because um I signed up for there's this badass gym and it's a gym where they'll only they have a weight room in there and everything but it's just like a ba mainly a basketball court and mm. it's called pickup fitness usa and the whole goal is like you can go and work out by playing pickup basketball every day mm. and that's like my shit yeah when i was in high school or college i was like why don't they have gyms like that yeah i wanted that so bad and when i found out there was one in arizona i got the membership Two weeks later, fucking shut down. So gyms, can't, I can't go there anymore. And then I start working out at this fucking outdoor park where there's basketball hoops. Um, and this is right when I get on the program. And they fucking take down the rims. No, they do So nobody not, can go to the park. Do they put caution tape around the playground there as well? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. do that at all of them. It's and crazy. so I haven't tracked my progress. But here's what's crazy. I... I went to a, a town like 45 minutes away to play some basketball after I'd started. I did the program for one week mm -hmm. and I'm out of shape, basketball shape wise. Um, so my lungs, like I can't even go past yeah. one game without like seeing spots and shit anymore. But my legs felt the mo like as if they had never been out of shape. Like, <laughs> so it was a re weird feeling where my lungs can't keep up with my legs. I've yeah. never experienced that. Um, but yeah, man, as soon as I, I guess, uh, what was your original question? Basically, if you just saw progress with the vertical jump yet. Um, I think that's the only progress I've been able to notice, mm. uh, that your legs are stronger and they don't fatigue as quickly hell yeah. as, as before you started the program. They don't fatigue. I'm more flexible cause I'm also stretching every day mm -hmm. and I'm definitely faster. And I feel like when I jump, I can jump, I feel like I'm getting higher yeah. um, and I'm with less effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, there's nothing for me to measure, you know, unless I measure it on a wall or something. And one thing you said is actually pretty cool is that you found like your shit is playing pickup bas basketball to get in shape, right? Like that's what you like to do as a workout, right? Yeah. 
finding that is so key for everybody because like for me it's lifting weights in the gym and getting stronger on those key lifts right because then i know i'm making progress and then i actually see my body changing as a result because of it right everybody has to find their own thing like i actually started training mma like last year because i was just like dude I want to try something new because I got tired of lifting weights. And so I started doing mixed martial arts like jujitsu, striking, boxing, right? And that became like my new thing. And I was doing that like six months straight, dude, every single day. My body was just so sore, like more sore than I've ever felt in like lifting weights because I was working all these new muscles and everything. So it's important to find out like what, what that thing is for someone because it might not just be going to the gym or lifting weights. It might be playing bas pickup basketball. I'd be training jujitsu, whatever, right? So like... Finding that thing is, is key because as long as you can just dedicate some time every single day to physical fitness, your life will just improve dramatically over time for sure. Yeah, man. So, uh, uh, fuck, what, what's next? <laughs> Dude, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about something crazy, bro. Throw some crazy out there. <sighs> what's your opinions on aliens? I saw a UFO. <laughs> I know. I put it on my Instagram story. And I, and I was the first person that call, I called you after that because I knew you were super into aliens. Yeah, so the story behind that is it's like a movie, man. I, I Okay, so I was with Caleb Maddox and Ryan O'Donnell, and we were at their friend's place in uh, Scottsdale. In Scottsdale. It was on Camelback, right? So there's a, there's a popular mountain here called Camelback Mountain. Everyone comes and hikes it when they visit Arizona. And the house that we were uh, at was on Camelback Mountain. Or like a little bit on the lower end of it. Yeah. And we're in the backyard, um, just chilling, talking, right? And the night before, or sorry, that morning, I woke up to my Instagram and I was uh, following a guy named Artemis Doggin. He's a super, uh, pretty well-known bodybuilder, has his own clothing line, Golden Aesthetics. And I've been following him for a while. And he posted the night before on his story, him seeing a UFO and like documenting it. And it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And Can I, I interject her real yeah, quick? go ahead. That same night in California, Logan Paul vlogged and put on his Instagram story a UFO. So the same night, the night before you saw it. Yeah. Which is why it stood out to me because when you saw it on your story, I was like, yo, Logan Paul saw the same thing in California the night before. So the one that Logan Paul saw was the same one that Artemis Dalgan was filming when he was on the beach. And so anyways, fast forward to later that night. I'm with Ryan uh, Ryan O'Donnell and Caleb Maddox and we're, we're in the house and we're, we're just in the backyard chilling. It's starting to turn nighttime now. I'm going to put the video up as you're describing it too. And then I start, and then I bring it up to him. I say, dude, did you guys check my Instagram story out? And they're like, what, what, what? I was like, dude, uh, this guy I follow, Artemis Dalgan, he, he saw a UFO last night. Like, here, come check it out. And they're like, dude, shut the fuck up, dude. They're yeah. like, shut the fuck up. You're bullshitting. Like, it's total bullshit, whatever, right? We get done talking about it. I don't know how, but we all start looking up to the sky. And then there it is, dude. In the middle of the sky. This glow, this, this bright disc-shaped thing that is way brighter than a star way brighter than an airplane bigger than both of those is just there and then we're like what the fuck is that and they're like whoa they're freaking out i'm like i'm like dude i couldn't have planned this any better right yeah and then all of a sudden it makes this quick leap like Ch -ch -ch. fuck never seen anything like that before in my entire life dude never seen anything before like that in my entire life and i'm so glad jennifer my girlfriend yeah. out there right there dude she was with me the whole time and and they're all there. And they're like, dude, what the fuck? They start freaking out. I'm like, holy shit. And then I start filming it. That's when I put the Instagram story up. And I start zooming in on my camera mm -hmm. to get as close as possible to see this thing. And it's the disc shape, bro. Yeah. The disc shape, exactly like Artemis Doggin had on his Instagram story. And it was just rotating, rotating, rotating. And then it starts moving again faster than anything I've ever seen. And 
Okay, and then this is the craziest part. We're all freaking out. There's about 10 of us in the backyard freaking out. And then one kid runs in to get his phone because he said, I got a star tracker on my on an app on my phone. I've been using it. He comes out with a star tracker app on his phone and he's trying to find what star it is. He's like, oh, let's see if it's a star. Let's see if it's real or if it's bullshit. And he, he has this GPS located to, to where we are and he's looking at the direction and there's stars around it, which we can see, but where it was, there was no star on the star tracker. So it wasn't a star and it wasn't, you know, and there was planes flying by under it and above it, like blinking the red. You can see, you know, it's a plane because it blinks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And this thing was just staying right there bigger. And it was just like, dude, this isn't a plane. This isn't a star. This is something that I've never seen before. And the funniest part about it all, dude, is that 10 minutes after we start freaking out about it, like maybe 30 minutes later, we're back to talking about anything like like nothing even happened, dude. Like, that's how short our attention span is, you know? Imagine if that happened 50 years ago. Like, people would be talking about that for years. That's mm-hmm. all they would talk about. Yeah. Now, we just, like, went to go back to talk about whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's what's crazy about that. So to an- so yeah. answer your question yeah. about aliens, do I believe in aliens? I don't, I don't not believe in aliens. Because is it very possible that eventually we're going to evolve into a species that our heads get so big like aliens are shaped and our bodies aren't, we don't need to, we don't need to work out. We're so smart, Mm -hmm. dude, that we can just control everything with our, we can communicate with our mind eventually. You know, Elon Musk is that chip coming out. Yeah. I do want to come back to this because it deserves a full discussion. Okay. I do want to add something though about the UFO before we move on. Go ahead. All right. So here's what, uh, stood out to me because I'm super deep in the rabbit hole on this shit. And as soon as I saw that video, I realized this is something different. This is not, a fucking explain it's not a fucking flare yeah and it happened to me remember and it happened to you yes here's here's what's crazy because i was we're describing the alien stuff to you me and clark talk about it a lot and yeah. you always seem like the one who's like eh, i don't know I'm, I'm a more reasonable i'm like i'm like eh, it could be true but it's like uh you know yeah I, i'm not all in you know and you're the motherfucker who saw the thing and i saw it too yeah. and that's why i was like wow dude i am i i'm open like i was always open to it so for i sure. have a question for you when you were recording the video yeah you, the on video, it looked like the light got smaller, yeah. right? Was that you zooming out? So what I can honestly say we think happened because we tried it again. So I was fully zoomed in like this on my phone, holding yeah. the phone up to it. And they were all around me, like 10 people around behind me watching the video. And all of a sudden the, the UFO or whatever it was zoomed in really quick like that, like almost like it jumped in the camera and then back yeah. out. And then it got really small. And that was not your finger sliding. Didn't up. touch okay. it. I was, I, in, in the video, I said, yo, I didn't touch anything. I didn't touch anything. And they all saw me. They're like, dude, yeah. what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? And I was like, yeah, I didn't touch anything, dude. You okay. guys saw that. I didn't touch so anything. So I, rec- I screen recorded your Instagram story. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point it out now because the reason why I asked that is because if you slow it down frame by frame and you're saying, I didn't I didn't move the camera. I didn't move the camera. Mm-hmm. And or I, I didn't wanted, zoom in at and all. And I wanted you to specify you didn't zoom because what's interesting about this is when you play it, I'm going to try to see if can bring it up um it okay here we go all right so i'll, I'll show the camera yeah. in post so you got concentric circles that look like they're lit up yeah. so here's what's cool about that if you think oh that's just a blob because he zoomed in if you're zooming in and you see a blob of light you lose resolution and resolution by definition is the ability to differentiate two different points. Mm. Okay. So I know this because I have a biology degree and you have to learn about that stuff when you're looking through microscopes at single celled organisms. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can resolve that there are consec- two multiple concentric circles yep. in this blob of light. So yep. it's not like he lost resolution when he zoomed in. So you zoom in 
And here's where you're saying I'm not moving the camera. Mm-hmm. It gets smaller <laughs> in size. It shrinks down, bro. Yeah. Okay, so it shrinks physically. And you didn't move the camera. And you're no, saying dude, I didn't move the camera. Even watching it back right now, it's still freaking surreal. Here's what's get crazier. It comes back yeah. to shape and it moves down and then it changes shape. It transforms and it does it three times. It goes into that little seashell shape oh, wow. and each transformation only lasts one frame. Jesus. It does it again, right? I didn't even notice that when I watched it. Yeah. So it, it transforms, bro. Uh, let me see. I got the screenshots of the actual transformations right there. Holy shit. Whoa. Yeah, and that's the other shape. Damn, dude. And the crazy part about all this is that I remember when you and I talked about the Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking to uh, Bob Lazar. Uh-huh. And then the other, the general dude, the the, the the pilot or whatever, and they were talking about the same like circle uh, disc shape thing in the sky. And that's exactly what they were describing in this video. I just keep thinking of that. Yeah. It's like, I just saw it. So I'm curious, like, so you think it was like a flying saucer? All, all I can see, okay, so the best way I can describe it, in the sky, without the camera, without my without my zoomed in with my phone, was this, imagine this this light that we're using for the podcast. Mm. It was like that far off in the distance, obviously in the sky, but it was so bright, dude, just so bright that I, I could, you couldn't tell what it was. Mm. It was just like this light, as almost like, imagine like someone behind it, like just like scanning or something like that. Yeah. Just this bright light that you couldn't even see what it was. But then when we zoom in, it looked like that flying saucer shape. Well, yeah. not flying saucer. It was like my like disc shape, right? Yeah. And as if the disc was like straight Yes, up. exactly. Like Which this. makes me think it's like if you expand that into 3D, it could be like a sphere. I I thought it was like a sphere. Yeah, sort. because when you think about aliens, you think about the, the the flying saucer. You think about, you know, the, the spaceship where they're in the middle of it, right? Yeah. But this thing looked like it was turned on the side and it was just a fl- like a disc kind of like like if and it looked like it was spinning spinning like if you're looking at me on the camera it's spinning like this and so what if the spaceships or the the you know the uh, flying saucers that we thought were the alien ships are actually mm-hmm. now this 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 disc thing yeah. all this whole time right and if you uh, i don't know man it's just crazy so the crazy part about the spinning is like if you so the Nazis were working on like fucking weird propulsion and stuff. And this is all known. Um, and part of that is like Operation Paperclip where the Nazis were brought in by the U.S. government um, uh, to be our scientists. We taught, brought in the top scientists to help us out with NASA. Werner von Braun, he's mm. like a super Nazi and he was like the face of NASA. OK, he got us to the moon. So around this time, we look back at some of their propulsion shit that they were playing around with. And a lot of it has to do with spinning spinning right Mm -hmm. so what they were doing is they were using torsion physics physics they were spinning heavy metal heavy liquid metals so imagine mercury they're spinning liquid mercury along with other stuff around like an electrode so it's generating electric current while it's spinning right so just to think what's the evolution of that that's 60 80 years ago yeah now we got spinning discs in the sky bro yeah like dude I, yeah, man. So to bring it all back, like I, I, I am open to everything and anything at this point, dude, because what I saw was something that I always remember. And it's still, I still like, imagine me, right. Trying to explain this to someone like, even like when I'm explaining it to you guys, it's like, I wish you could just be where I was in me and like, see what I saw that night to realize that this was crazy, dude. You that, just invited every guy to enter inside of you. <laughs> enter inside of me, baby. I want enter it. me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, dude. It was it was a 
it was crazy. And in this thing, this this light right now, it kind of looks like an eyeball. And, and talking about these aliens is kind of freaking me out. <laughs> yeah, just don't look into the light, bro. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. So we we went off uh, topic. It was the Elon Musk thing. So how do we get into that? So the chip. So basically, um, I was talking about how like the way you when you think of aliens, for the most part, I think m many people think of them like you know these these bodies with just huge heads. Right. And mm -hmm. Joe Rogan talks about this a lot. They just have huge heads and these small bodies and because they're so smart. Eventually they don't need, why do they need to work out? Dude, they don't need to work out. Yeah. Right. They've, they've, they've mastered the technology so well that dude, they're going to live forever. So they don't need to work out. They have their health dialed in. They just use their minds to communicate without even talking. So they're just looking at each other in the spaceships. Right. It's yeah. <laughs> just like talking through their mind. And so I talk about that because like the Elon Musk thing with him bringing out the chip, where you can heal, like, I think it was, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be totally butchering this, but I think he was talking about how you can heal, like, chronic disease and, like, joint issues and, and pain and injury by, like, having this chip installed, but yeah. plus a ton of other things, uh, obviously, this chip installed where it's, like, a, a, an inch or something into your head, and yeah. you're going to be, eventually, talk about eventually be able to communicate without communicating with mm -hmm. just your mind. So that's where we're going. And so I say all that because it's, like, is aliens and, and the, what if, what if, aliens and the reason we always have these visions of aliens and the extraterrestrial beings is because from my experience whenever i have a thought about something that i want to do or a vision of what i want to do it's because you can do it and it's possible and it's happening and you can you can have it right do we have these thoughts about aliens and these these extraterrestrial beings and we're so curious about it because we're eventually leading ourselves to the future of what we want to have happen mm. what's going to so have you think happen? it's a manifestation of manifestation the of the subconscious mind of always wanting to progress, become better, have more, do better, like create this world, right? And what if it's already, what if it's already there, yeah. you know? Like they're out there, right? They so there's a lot of different interesting p things that you said, there, yeah. right? Um, so the idea that I thought you're going to kind of go in, um, which is something that I think there's a lot of relevance to this theory is like, what if they are us from the future traveling back in time, observing us? That was what I was getting at right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting because when I was in high school and I was learning about evolution, they had a speaker come in and speak to our high school about the evolution of um, wolves and how they, and like the difference between the evolutionary uh, path of a wolf versus mm. a dog. And it was like interesting because as a high school kid, I've never thought about these things. And so one of the things he said is like, yeah, like when you, as a species evolves, the things that it needs to survive will become more pronounced and the mm. things that it doesn't really need to survive become less pronounced. And so he said, for example, the trend we anticipate and we've already been seeing with humans evolving in the last thousands of years or whatever is smaller chins, bigger heads. <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, oh shit, does that mean I'm unevolved? Because at the time I kind of had a little bit of an underbite. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I had to get braces three times. It's a different story. But anyways, mm. I have a normal bite now, but like we're going towards smaller chins, bigger heads, mm. gray aliens with small heads and big, yeah. like big foreheads or whatever. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting to think about the time travel yeah. theory. Uh, and, and obviously in the rabbit hole, they have a lot of theories on what these things are. Um, and also like, Elon Musk, bro. Oh yeah. That's what you said. Um, from my understanding of what, of what I heard him describing about Neuralink, I think that's what he's calling yeah. it. Mm -hmm. He said he's, you're going to surgically, they're going to go drill a hole in your skull so they can implant the chip mm -hmm. onto your brainstem or somewhere on your brain. Right. And he said, when you can do that, now you can 
cure paralysis, like paraplegics, things like that, because you're going, you're essentially the reason why someone loses function of their lower half of their body is because part of their brainstem or their spinal cord was broken to where electrical signals from your brain aren't going down there like they normally should. And so if he can tap into that and can kind of alter it or find an alternative pathway or whatever his fucking thing does, that's where he's saying that a lot of those diseases become irrelevant anymore. And I think that's so crazy. I think it's too progressive. I think it's not going to work because he's saying, bro, that this is going to be in effect within the next three years, five years at tops is what he said. Mm. And so obviously he's going to roll it out slow to win people over. Yeah, we cured paralysis, Mm. but pretty soon, like he said, you hear what he's really trying to get, which is uh, a nest fucking consciousness. Like they call it a, what is it? A hive mind. You know, we're all going to have our minds connected. We're not going to have to fucking communicate verbally because I already know what you're thinking. Yeah. Right. That is, I think is so fucking progressive that there's no way people are going to fall for that within the next five to 10 years, maybe a hundred years from now when just the way we process information is completely differently. Mm. Um, and maybe some of our fears that internally are there are different, but man, there's no way that's going to be, I, I just personally think it's, <sighs> I, I'm just so surprised he even said it, you know? Well, I mean, think about it like this. What about this this vaccine, right? The vaccine for COVID, right? They're going to probably make, they're probably going to roll that out, you know, within the next year or two. Yeah. Like, what's what's the difference between them telling everybody to do that and then Elon Musk saying, hey, everybody has to do this, right? Yeah. Like, eventually people will adapt and, like, be like, okay, well, fuck, like, this is how we have to do things now. And I, I don't know, man. It is progressive for sure. I think 10 years is more realistic in terms of, like, having it dialed in but even five years to where it's like active but who is, on a massive level like he's talking about this as if it's the next iphone bro so on we don't even need iphones <laughs> at that point dude but that's the thing is you are the iphone people we become are willing, the iphone people are willing to buy iphones because you, i give you a thousand dollars you give me a device i can hold in my hand i can turn it on and off i can put it in my pocket i can leave it in the other room yeah how many of those same people are going to be willing to let elon musk drill a hole in your skull fuck with your brain and hope this technology works. How many iPhones come out the box and have a defect? Like it's somewhat defective. You got to return and get a new one. Mm. All right. It's going to be the same shit with micro, micro, like the microchip on your brain. Yeah. You don't want the defective one, the one in a thousand. But it's just like the old, the old adage, right? So like when they first started rolling out computers back in like the fifties and sixties or whenever they started. Yeah. Maybe I sound like those people who wanted the horse and buggy to stick around. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Well, not, not that, that you're that way, but it's just like people are going to resist change naturally because they don't understand it. That's just how we are. We resist and and don't agree with things we don't understand. So mm. when 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 Elon Musk says, "Hey, I'm gonna drill this. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna drill this hole in your head, yeah. and you're gonna be you're, this is the end result." But I'm gonna need to do this, and it's like, well, I, well, this is so out of my awareness and comprehension that this doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm just naturally gonna gonna like not or be opposed to it, right? Yeah. But think about would 50- you give yourself a lobotomy if someone told you that it was gonna cure your fucking diseases? Would you would you kill your fucking what is this the prefrontal cortex? Mm. Because someone tells you it's going to cure a disease. Like, that's just as crazy to me. Well, imagine that person who's just almost dying of cancer. They're on their last leg, and they're like, dude, fuck it. Why not? Well, I'm not going to die anyways. Do it. Drill me up, bro. See, Let's see what happens. Yeah. People, I guarantee you, people, people that are desperate in, in so much pain that they've been in the pain their whole lives, and they're presented with a solution— why not, right? And then, then once they start getting results, it's going to start compounding and compounding. And pe- people that are having issues with maybe just normal asthma, right? <laughs> They're going to start getting a little yeah. dose of it, right? Yeah. It's going to be like, I, I, I just think it's crazy to think about right now, but imagine 15 years from now, dude, it's going to be the normal. What if they force humanity to do it? 
right? Because think about it like this. The iPhone forces you to update because they make the older versions not work anymore. Mm. So what if things start moving to a place where in 50, 60 years from now, you're not going to be able to buy shit at the grocery store unless you have the fucking Neuralink in your head. Mm. They're just going to take away the ability to do that. And here's why maybe I'm resistant to it because I've definitely had to overcome resistant, the ability to resist change, um, to even grow as a person and an entrepreneur, especially when you go from friend zone by every girl you <laughs> like to now approaching hot girls yeah. and, and getting them right. There's a lot of change there, but here's why I'm resisting Neuralink specifically mm -hmm. because it's taking away control. Mm. What I don't know who the, like Tesla's you can, they shut them off remotely if they want to, they can control the Tesla. And I, I only know this because the, the one guy, he has a huge YouTube channel about like where he created his own Tesla from like scrap Tesla parts. And, um, he talked about, and this is on Joe Rogan's podcast where he did, talked about it fully. And he was talking about the process of bypassing the computers because Tesla, their headquarters control the car. Mm. You think you control the car, but like you, David Dobrik, he'll, he'll like vlog that. He, oh, his Tesla got updated today and Elon Musk sent out a mass tweet. Oh, go, go check out the new update to your Tesla. He can control the updates, the firmwares to your fucking Tesla. Yeah. Okay. To give it more features. Okay, cool. What if he does that with Neuralink? But here's the thing. Do you do you want to not have control over what's going in your head now? Yeah. You're letting a company do that for you. And we don't know Elon Musk that well, right? <laughs> I don't let... I don't, Seems I'd like block, a cool guy. Yeah. I'd definitely party with him. <laughs> I'll block people if they fucking text me too much. If Elon Musk starts throwing advertisements in my eyeballs, like, uh, hell yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, to your point, I 100% agree. It's like, because you and I are type, the type of people where it's like, like we want to control what we can control. We don't really... We don't really like try to control things that we can't because everything in our control, we, we want to be able to be in that in control and be able to like manipulate it for our favor, right? To, to, to get where we want to go. Not being in control is exactly what this thing is going to, you know, eventually get to the point where we can't control. Yeah. And dude, everyone's watched Black Mirror, right? <laughs> everyone's seen the the show where the, the one episode where they can replay past things in their eyes by like scanning. Like, dude, Black Mirror. That's what this is going to do. You think he's not going to record your, your memories, bro? Dude, like, our memories are going to go into the cloud yeah. in real time, bro. And they're going to be oh able to goodness. use that and, and blackmail us. Yeah. Dude, you... You watched some uh, you watched some anime porn earlier, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can let you on this flight right now, man. People yeah. studies show people that watch anime porn actually, you know what I'm saying? Like, just imagine. Here's what's fucked up about that, and there's actually a psychology principle for this because I I forget what it, what it was, what the name of it is, but it's like where you, everybody <laughs> people are gonna call me crazy th for this, so I, I need you guys to validate me here, right? Everybody has fucked up thoughts, but it's not yeah. everybody who acts on them. Yes, right, one hundred percent. And it's just a normal thing in psychology. We have fucked up thoughts cross our mind, but there's the people who can't differentiate between good and bad, and just don't and let those enter their subconscious and let it affect their actions. Right? Yeah. Like I remember, like in middle school, I would just be like, "Yo, what if I just fucking slapped this girl's ass? What would happen? What if I just unstrapped her ball right now? Like, what? Like people think random shit like that yeah. all the fucking time, right? Yeah. And now they're gonna know that and judge you." for it yeah so a good example of this would be and and i <laughs> dude i guarantee you we've all done this at least once in our life i'm gonna admit it right now so basically have you ever seen yourself when a airplane's flying by and you're outside i've caught myself doing this just because i don't know it's like whatever but like i'll always just like be like looking at the airplane i'll just be i don't know i've caught myself sometimes going yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was actually working out with one of my friends uh, recently and I and he, <laughs> there was a car passing by and uh, we were just like in the middle of a conversation and he we were just kind of like a dead conversation. And he's just like 
to the car. And I'm like, dude, whoa, dude. That's, that's weird. I'm like, well, I mean. My dog like, saw you do that and he started barking at you, bro. <laughs> but like the the point is, is like, you know, we all came from like growing up of like, you know, oh, dude, it would be cool like doof, to shoot cars or like yeah. shoot planes, right? Obviously, you're not going to do it, but I've caught myself doing it before. Imagine them using that as blackmail. You want to blow up this plane, bro? We can we can go back to your childhood and see all these times where you just look up and like try to like yeah uh, like act like you're gonna do You've it. You've been trying to shoot down planes your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> what what's to say you won't shoot down this one? Yeah. <laughs> so like, now you're banned from any flights ever. Yeah, dude. Plus, especially I'm brown. after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were on the Raw and Lendless podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about aliens and, and Tesla and shit, bro. Dude. I'm just trying to see how many controversial topics we can hit in one podcast. Yeah. Let's bro. go. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> let's make everybody. <laughs> so abortion. I'm just kidding <laughs> oh jeez. yeah um so what do you think about this whole fucking podcast movement especially with the whole joe rogan deal because you and i and here's what people don't understand and i think this is kind of crazy because you and i had the realization about podcast probably 2017 2018 mm-hmm. um because we were both working for uh, a guy dean graziosi and he hired a podcast expert to come in one day and kind of tell us how to run a podcast mm-hmm. And I think you and I both had the realization, this is the new fucking wave. Yeah. And most people think it's dying out. And I remember vlogging was kind of similar. I would see videos about how to vlog. And I'm like, yo, vlogging died years ago. But then here come Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Mm -hmm. And now vlogging's relevant again. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if people notice this, but as suicide force happens with Logan Paul, vlogging starts getting irrelevant again. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying Logan Paul's the fucking king on top. I'm just saying that it's a trend, a pattern that happened. It was yeah. a cycle and podcasts were in and then they were out and they're going to come right back in. Mm-hmm. And you and I had this realization a couple of years ago because you and I both have been talking about starting our own podcast mm-hmm. for at least a year and a half. Yeah. And we've, I finally bit the bullet and you're about to bite the bullet. Yeah. And, um, and here we are. But r- the first week I film a first episode that week, Joe Rogan sells his podcast to Spotify for a hundred mil for a four year contract, like mm-hmm. a professional athlete. So who knows who's going to make the next deal four years from now? What are your thoughts? Well, this opens the door for every podcaster now to get paid real money for what they're doing. Like this just shows that podcasting, like you said, and like we've talked about before is going to be something that you can actually make a ton of money on. Uh, and like actually has monetary value because you draw the attention of people, you draw the audience and like Joe Rogan getting paid a hundred mil from Spotify is freaking sick because he's been doing it for like 10 years and he deserves that. He 10 X his income in 10 years. Right. So like, dude, I, I a hundred percent agree because if you think about it, right, like you said, vlogging is kind of dead now, but if you can chop and edit your podcast in a way to where it's kind of similar to like a vlog, I think that's also going to help you grow as much as, uh, the next person too, because where I think the world's going now is COVID experience. COVID uh, kind of made us adapt to this new reality, but like a lot more people are going to be staying inside now. A lot more people are going to be living in fear. They don't want to go out. They don't want to shop. They don't want to go out to restaurants or they don't want to go out to concerts and ball games like the UFC dude. So the UFC uh, ultimate fighting championship, they now don't have any audiences for the last four UFC fights. It's just streamed online through ESPN plus the app. Right. And it's actually kind of sick the way it's happening Will they ever release to uh, public again in in person to people to go watch the fights? Maybe, maybe not, dude. They might just be able to save a ton of overhead from booking all these venues and just stream them on and make as much on pay-per-view like that, right? So the reason I bring that up is because podcasting, specifically video podcasting on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, whatever, 
like people just want to be able to be entertained from the comfort of their own home. And that's why I think video podcasting is going to blow up tremendously. So if you can start now, like you have, and like I'm going to, and plus we all have a story to share and the people that are actually going to be out there and sharing it are going to be the ones that win always hundred percent. Mm. I think supporting what you just said there, like I also think that because people are going to be staying in a lot more and maybe businesses are going to be having people work from home. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the, the internet entrepreneur space is already getting saturated, but I think it's about to hit a whole new fucking wave yeah. of new people coming online because they're going to be working from home and they're going to realize, oh, why am I working eight hours a day on someone else's business when I can spend a few more hours or a day working on my own online business? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you're, yeah, exactly. It's like time management kind of, a lot of people probably just don't know what to do with their time nowadays, especially because yeah, they went to a job from nine to five. Now they're home, maybe working three hours a day and they have five hours to kind of fuck off or to actually take that time to go do something productive, like start a podcast, start filming your own YouTube channel, whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot more opportunistic for people to do that. And the people that do it are going to be the ones that get ahead. But now it's more important than ever to separate yourself and be real and raw, not try to be some fake person. Because I think right now more than ever, people want transparency, authenticity, and for you to just say how it is and like not be afraid of uh, hurting someone's feelings. I truly believe that. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, if, you, if your goal is to help people, like, you're not helping anybody if you're trying to be vanilla. Trying yeah. to be, like, trying to, like, not hurt anybody or offend anybody, right? You gotta, you just gotta say how you feel. And dude, not like you're right or you're wrong. It's just your opinion. I say a lot of things that I probably, uh, I know would probably offend some people, right? Depending on where their awareness is. But at the end of the day, my goal is not to offend anybody. It's just to share what I'm feeling in real time. Right. Yeah, I think that's a key distinction. Is like, your intention is not to hurt. No. Right. It's just me sharing what I'm thinking about as I'm experiencing it to share so someone else can listen to it and then be able to learn a lesson and maybe what not to do yeah. that I did, right? That's the most important thing. Mm. I think a few things I just thought about uh, based on what you said, like I think that's maybe one of the shifts evolutionary that we start um, seeing in people is like I bet because of this, everybody's wearing face masks. Mm. You can't, no, you don't know who's a looter, who's just out with their friends. People are going to get really good at just reading subconscious body language cues through people. Mm. And I think there, that might be like a natural form of empathy because I know how my dog's feeling based off of his body language. I know how my girlfriend's feeling based off of her body language. So you're talking about expressing what you're feeling in the moment. I think maybe what if 100 years from now we see the empathy part of the brain grow a lot more because we've had to adapt to survive mm -hmm. to learn what is this person actually feeling so I can know if I can trust him or not. Yeah. Even if because he has half his face covered, you yeah. know. So here's actually I'm going to totally switch subjects here because I want to ask you this question. So now like with the face mask things, it, it gave me an idea. But so. How do you think the dating and relationship space is going to change now with all this going on? Like well, a, specifically approaching in person, right? Yeah. Because more than ever now, people are, are resistant to in-person experiences for the most part. Mm. And like going out, restaurants, like, I mean, dude, I was in, I was at Old Town Scottsdale on Saturday or on Friday night. It was sick. It was popping. Like, it, like yeah. nothing changed. But like specifically approaching, right? Do you think approaching is going to die? Do you think approaching is always going to be there? Like, are people just going to be wearing a face mask and approach now? Mm. Like, what do you see the future of the dating and relationship space being? Is it all going to be texting online? You know, virtual game? Yeah. I, I think that's, there's a lot of angles to go at this question with because, uh, one, my answer has to take into account how long do I think that this is going to go on and mm. do I think it will return to normal, at least with the face masks, the social distancing thing. I, My gut tells me 
that right now it might seem like there might never be a time where things return to normal, mm -hmm. but I believe that people want it to return to normal more yeah. than anything. And I think it will. Mm -hmm. As far as the dating space, I think businesses are going to be take a lot more cautious with what they do these days. And so I know my business, like <laughs> this is kind of crazy because going into quarantine, going into the whole fucking thing happening, I had a boot camp coming up and my whole fucking business plan for the next five, 10 years was I was going to run these fucking boot camps multiple times a year, hopefully mm -hmm. every, every single fucking month. Yeah. Right. And these are, these are investments that people are making and coming from and learning in that fucking badass environment. Brian was there. Mm -hmm. And if you saw the documentary, you saw it. I want to do so many of these. And I had three planned for this year. I had to cancel two and anybody who had bought that one, we had to postpone all of it to the, to the one at the end of the year. Cause yeah. hopefully things will end up open up back up then I think it would be not wise for me as a business owner to make my business revolve around events moving forward yeah right so I think that's one of the major changes is you're going to see a lot less events you're going to see a lot more um, if there are events it'll be very very structured so people can keep their proper safety precautions right yeah. and uh oh, this this reminds me of something that happened yesterday I got to tell you about this but um uh literally I I bet I would not be surprised if in a year or two from now, people are afraid to approach. I don't think approaching will ever go away because mm -hmm. it's how people have met for thousands yeah, for of years. Sure. So you'll just have to tweak how you approach. It's yeah. not going to be as aggressive or forward as it probably was in the past. You'll have to be a little bit more calculated mm -hmm. with how you approach. But if you can approach, I think that's always going to be the number one way. Yeah. But I bet the people who are afraid to approach... Um, and also can't do well online, they're going to see something else pop up. And I bet there's going to be a business, a lot of businesses that are setting up events for singles to come and mingle. And it's going to be super structured. It's almost going to be like structured speed dating. Mm. I anticipate it being super controlled and tables with couples and you're rotating. Like I bet that becomes a huge wave. Interesting. Watch that shit happen. Yeah, I don't think approaching will ever die either. I think like you said, approaching is still the number one way to do it because there's no better experience for memorability in terms of her that like that approach leaving a long lasting effect. Like think about it. How many girls get DMs on a daily basis on Instagram, yeah. on Tinder, on Bumble, but if they get approached in person, they'll remember that because it's different. Yeah. It's something that doesn't normally happen. So I always think that'll, that'll be number one. Well, think back to like all the fears and, and things that I was not liking about Neuralink. Mm. We've, we've already seen all the same patterns already happen with Tinder and Bumble and Instagram DMs. Those are revenue generating businesses yeah. that need advertising mm -hmm. and also just like they want to generate revenue. So they want to keep you on the platform. They want to get you to buy a subscription. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> I think there will always, I think unfortunately business and marketplaces are going to try to gear you more towards platforms like that. Yeah, for sure. But I think human, <laughs> human nature just in-person connection is never going to die out because it's in our DNA. A hundred percent. I agree because it's like, I want everything to open back up. I'm an advocate for like, get it, like, let's get out there, dude. Like, let's get out there. Let's get, let's stay healthy. Let's take, take the necessary precautions, you know, keep everybody safe for sure. Do what we can. But like, let's, let's start opening up the economy again, bro. Like, let's, let's get out there. Let's start. Because like, at the end of the day, human connection is, that's like one of the, I think Tony Robbins talks about this. Like, you can have the health, like, but if you, if you're missing the in-person experience with community or with social relationships, that can eat at your happiness levels, yeah. no matter how much you work out, no matter how much you have the money, right? If you're not getting social and being around people that you love or love spending time with, that's going to eat at you, you and your mental health for sure. So I want to get, I think 
you can't replace the in-person connection. Like eventually I see myself ho hosting uh, retreats and, and weekend getaways where we, we focus on our health, we, we meditate, we stretch, right? We take these hikes and we, we, we eat clean, whole organic foods from raw, from these, from these farms, right? And like we just, we vibe and we just chill. But, you know, I think people, some people are going to be resistant, resistant to that, but I'm just like, dude, let's open back up, bro. Yeah, yeah. What do you think it's going to have to, how, how long do you think this is going to last? What do you mean by last? Like, you mean like things still being closed down or like people being afraid to go out? Like uh, anything even being affected in the same way. Cause like restaurants are open in Arizona, but even the restaurants are only letting a certain amount of people in. Yeah. You have to wait in line to walk into Walmart. Like yeah. when do you think everything's going to be back to normal? Um, probably, probably like March of 2021, March, maybe April. So like spring 2021. I think, but even then, I think it's still going to be very limited to where it's like normal, but there's still going to be the six feet social distancing of like, like there's going to be new measures of how things are ran now. Mm. Like it's not just going to be walking up to a restaurant and being able to get a seat right away. It's going to be like, okay, we're going to have to wait for someone else to leave. Yeah. So like there's going to be a, a very systematic process of how businesses are operate based off what's happening now. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be normal, but a different normal. Normal's done. I think there's going to be a new normal now. Yeah. Which sucks, but. You Dude, know. the only thing good about 2020 so far is the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> that is literally it. <laughs> At least we started with that one, oh, you know? Dude. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I, uh, I just hope they get the chance to defend the title, bro. <laughs> dude, I, I'm telling you, I think sports, at least for the most part, are going to open back up, hopefully by the end of the year, but they're not going to have fans for for the very start of it or they if they do it's going to be sectioned off like only like this section is open like in, imagine a baseball stadium right yeah one section of the, at the, if the nosebleeds is going to be open the next one's not then there's gonna be another one yeah. another one right but then the people dude so this is the stupidest thing i was at uh oh man this just shows you how much fear people have based off the media and what people uh, so anyways i was at flower child it's a restaurant here in scottsdale the other day Okay, and these friends were meeting up with each other. There was two friends inside. One of them had a face mask on. The other two uh, were walking up to the door. They noticed that their friend inside had face mask on, but the other one didn't. So then they put their face mask on outside, and they come in, and they start talking with the face masks, right? And then I hear them talking about how they put their face mask on because they saw one of the friends had it on, and they didn't want to make it rude or whatever, right, which is totally fine. And then they start hugging each other and, like, touching each other. Yeah. I'm like, dude, why do you have the face mask on if you're just going to touch each other? <laughs> that ruins the whole fucking point of the face mask. Yeah. You literally just, I'm just like, dude, people are so not, it's not their fault, but it's just like, dude, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, what are we <laughs> doing here? You can't be touching people if you're going to wear a face mask. If you're wearing a face mask, I expect you to not be around anybody if you're at least six feet away from them. You got to be six feet away from them. You can't touch anybody and you better be like the most paranoid person. You can't like, come on, dude. Yeah. What are we doing? Yo, I saw a tweet from Patrick Vett David. The other day and it was talking about like uh wearing a mask while you're driving alone in your car is like wearing a condom to bed <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that's so true and then i made it made me realize like there was a time where people could judge someone negatively or form an opinion about them just by watching how they drive because back in the 90s if someone was like yelling or s talking out loud and they're by themselves in their car yeah you don't assume he's talking on the phone. You think he's either talking to himself or he he's singing, in which case, oh. either way, you're going to fucking judge him, right? Yeah. And then that kind of died out when you have cell phones and whatnot, and there's a lot more ways to communicate, and you got audiobooks, and now you definitely listen to music if you're singing and dancing, right? But 
Now we can judge people just by if they have a mask on in their car. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against the mask. I get the fear of it, but it's just like, I mean, for me, obviously, we're not wearing masks here, right? I'm, I'm someone who's just out Fuck of Fuck a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, dude. That should be like, I don't know why, but I just picture that on like a, a shirt for Raw <laughs> Relentless, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a face mask. <laughs> Fuck a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I was out at the freaking clubs this weekend. Like, obviously, I'm not wearing face masks and like practicing social distancing and stuff right maybe that's my fault but at the same time i'm like dude i'm healthy i'm young if i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it but i'm gonna fight it right like that's my choice if you want to stay inside you want to wear a face mask do your thing dude but let's start let's start realizing that like everyone's gonna die eventually cancer kills more people than covid right yeah. uh like pe processed foods kill more people than covid every single day yeah. right like let's just start realizing that if you're gonna die like, like we're all gonna die so like might as well start living your life dude yeah you can't be living in fear yeah um, yo, talk about living in fear, bro. There was this old man that me and Kate ran into at CVS pharmacy yesterday, um, because we were getting water cause we were about to go hang out with some friends. Right. So we grabbed some water real quick and we're at CVS and we walk into the checkout line and there's only one person in line and he's walking up the cash register. So me and Kate are walking into line. Mm -hmm. and it's an old man and he turns around right as we walk in the line and he's supposed to be walking to his fucking cash register. Yeah. He turns around, he looks me in the eyes and then he looks at my girlfriend, Kate in the eyes who's standing right next to me. And then he sizes her up, looks her up and down. And, he, and I, I think oh, this old man's about to crack like an old guy joke or something like that. And I thought he was super chill. I was just like, what is this? He's just staring at us. And then he says, can you guys back up? Jesus. And he's standing like three feet in front of us when he's the one who's not walking to the fucking cash register, yeah. bro. And I, I said to him um, in the moment, because I'm not afraid of this fucking old man. I said, yo, chill the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> and the manager of CVS, who's standing at the cash register... Um, <laughs> the, your reaction to that made me laugh. Dude, I was not expecting. <laughs> oh shit! And the manager, oh. he just looks at both of us and he doesn't know what to do. Chill <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's another T-shirt, bro. <laughs> yeah. Fuck a face mask. Yo, chill the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get mugs, bro, or something. And you just sip them on here. Yeah. Oh, and he God. just walks up, walks away real quick. And the manager is like super nice to me. And yeah. I think it was because he thought the old man was being crazy too. Oh, yeah. And here's what, where it gets even funnier, bro. Me and Kate get done check buying our shit first. And we go into the car and we start pulling out. He walks out with his, his spouse. It's, mm -hmm. an un, it's another old man. Okay. So he's an old, gay, angry man wearing a face mask just trying to pick a fight at CVS, bro. Yeah, That's 2020 for you. She just kept hating herself because at the end of the day, she wasn't working on her positivity. She was looking for this out, and the out was surgery to make herself feel better about the way she looks because she didn't feel beautiful. But she didn't make the decision consciously that say, I am beautiful. That's all it was. It was just training your mind to say, I am beautiful. I like myself. I love who I am. I love the way I look. If she just did those four affirmations every single day for a month straight, imagine how much her life would be better if she didn't have to get all these surgeries and shit. Mm. Like people just don't want to, I don't know, man. I guess we just, honestly, I we were never taught this shit. I wasn't taught this shit growing up. I wasn't taught how to think, how to be positive. Yeah. I was just told everything. This is the way life works. This is the way how, this is how it's done. Mm. Like imagine being taught how to think properly, reading psycho cybernetics from the very beginning. Yeah. Right. Dude. I think that's why I believe in the next generation, even though, even though you look at all the people who are protesting, it's fucking broke ass college kids who are living in their parents fucking house anyways. Yeah. But, uh, I think there's a lot more 
people in the generation right below us who were born in the 2000s who are going to have higher self-esteem and higher confidence levels, even with social media. And here's why. Because when I was in high school, I didn't know this until retrospect. The only reason I ever struggled to make the impact I wanted in basketball is because I was in such fear mm. and anxiety of the coach taking me out of the game. And also, I, I had to. I, had, I felt like I had to step up my performance when the coach was watching because mm. when I was relaxed and when I was playing with my friends, I was fucking great. But as soon as I knew a coach was watching, confidence goes down and I, I start trying hard. Yeah. And not, not yeah, playing. you start trying instead of having fun and playing. Exactly. And that was always my issue. And I, my parents never were able to coach me on my mental mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. And I wish they would have. If my dad was still alive, I would talk to him about this kind of stuff. Yeah, dude. Right? And I, I don't have the ability to do that. But Bridger fucking opened my eyes to that because I was talking to him. 19-year-old kid. We have a very similar story with basketball, with just fitness in general, mm -hmm. too. Or even around the same age as that, all the stuff that he, he, he experienced it. And he went through a, a basketball program that he bought online. Um, around the same time, I actually bought the same program and it was like in 2014, 2015. And one of the bonuses was like how to improve your confidence on the court and like visualizing success and like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And I was like, I didn't have shit like that when I was in high school. Yeah. You know, nobody taught me how to be confident. Yeah. Why is it that every successful book that you, or every popular book, usually in personal development starts off with your mindset first or every uh, course that you buy starts off with your mindset first? Because if your mindset's not right on the long term goal, focusing on the vision you have, uh, sticking to the plan, trusting the process, right? Uh, getting yourself mentally prepared to be able to do what you're about to do for a long period of time, you're never going to see the results, bro. People want to skip through the the steps. To, like I remember for me personally, I'm saying this about myself. I would I would like skip the first chapter of every book because I knew it was just going to be this mindset mm. bullshit. Right. Or so mm -hmm. I thought, I don't want that. I want the answers. I want the tactical. I want to know how to do it. But then you think about it. And I talked with Dean about this one time when I was working with him, Dean Graziosi, we were working out on new years and we were just, and even at his age, he's like 50, right? We were just talking about, dude, it's all, it's all, it's all mindset, dude. It's all mindset. Like, if you just have the will to win, the will to succeed, the will to keep going, that's all that matters. Cause you're going to find a way to make it happen. Yeah. But like, None of us were really taught how to think properly to become more confident in who we are. And that's the biggest kryptonite is just not being confident in who you are, not having the balls to to take responsibility for yourself and realize no one's going to fucking come and save you, dude. Dude, my parents got divorced when I was super young. I didn't have a dad really to, to mentor me, to, to teach me how to be successful, to teach me how to make to make money, to teach me how to shave, right? My mom taught me how to shave. What the fuck? Like I had to learn how to be a man on my own through books, through door-to-door -door sales, through getting my teeth kicked yeah. in and told the fuck off on doors, dude. And through those experiences, thankfully, I learned what I know to be true, which is, dude, it's all up to you. No one's going to come and save you. If you want to get where you want to go, it's up to you, and you have to take daily actions to do it. Yeah. But there's no secret. It's just doing it. Do you think that chip on the shoulder mentality is something you're born with or it can be taught or it has to be just acquired? Damn. And where did it come from you for you? Man, I just didn't want to live. I just didn't want to have the life I, I had growing up. I just didn't want that for the rest of my life. I just like I'm actually taking Jennifer back to San Antonio to show her like you know, to introduce her to some of my family and I'm going to take her back to where I grew up. And it wasn't like I mean, looking back now, it definitely was a little bit more of the kind of ghetto for sure. But I didn't realize it at the time. I just thought it was normal. Right. But I just didn't want to have to struggle, dude. I didn't want to have to worry about money. I didn't want to have to worry about, okay, I'll tell this story, dude. I remember one time 
we were at home. My mom was cooking dinner, me and my brother. And this is when my parents were divorced, right? So it was just my mom raising us. And she would work nine to five every single day. Me and my brother would come home from school and just like wait for my mom to come home to, to make dinner and shit, right? And I remember aunt, the phone was ringing, right? And I remember not even thinking about it. I just pick up the phone to answer it. And she was like, she, she didn't like us answering the phone. At the time, I didn't realize it, but she didn't like us answering the phone without uh, her checking it first because it was most likely bill collectors. And I answered the phone one time and it was this lady, hey, can I speak with Beatrice, please? And I was like, yeah, hold on. And then uh, I was like, she wants to talk to you. And my mom's like, who is it? I was like, I don't know. She just said she wants to talk to you. My mom's like, gives me the look that Hispanic mm-hmm. kids know. Yeah. The, the Mexican mom looks at you like that. You're going to get a freaking spanking afterwards with a belt, dude. <laughs> and uh, immediately my mom answers, hello. And then like she started talking and can tell it was like a bad conversation. Like she was like, no, I just don't have it right now. Like, like about money, right? And I was just like, fuck, dude. I don't ever want to experience not having enough resources to be able to like, just not do what I want to do, live where I want to live and just not have what I want to have in my life. And I think it was because the chip on my shoulder was just not having that, that, um, you know, that father, father, father figure I wish I had, or that family that I wish I had. You, you always watch these movies growing up about this perfect family and how families are supposed to be. And we didn't have that. Right. My parents are split up. My brother and I weren't that close growing up. Now we are, but like, I didn't have that. And I was like, fuck, I want to just, and I think that's why everything I do, I don't know if you notice it, but I'm always trying to bring people together bring you Clark Bridger, all these people have, uh, dinners, right. Uh, events, concerts, go just do stuff together. Cause I want to almost recreate this family that I was lacking growing up. Mm. So yeah, I, I think it was a chip on my shoulder and not wanting to not be able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And plus I just was tired of who I was, dude. Senior year of my college at ASU. I just, <laughs> well, growing up in high school, dude, I cried in the shower because I was wondering why God created me like the way he did. I was so afraid to take my shirt off in front of people because I had an indented chest, dude. Like people were making fun of me. People would always laugh at me and, and like, what the fuck? I desperately feared peers of mine in high school telling girls that I liked, oh, you like him? He has a fucked up chest. Like his chest, look, he's so weird, right? Mm. I had a fear of people not liking me because of the way I looked. And that is what drove me to personal development because I was like, dude, if you keep living life like this and hating the way you look, you're always going to just live a life full of pity, sad, sorrow, just fucking just worthlessness or you can change this into your own story and then i saw the vision of myself i said what how could i look if i just start taking myself seriously and start working out i saw a vision of how i could look with building muscle and then that vision drove me to want to get in shape to want to lift weights to want to build my body up and then sure enough fast forward you know five years from now i'm in the best shape of my life right i've impacted thousands and thousands of guys online through my youtube videos through practice excavatum because i was showing them look life's like this right now for you but here's what i've done and here's how you can too mm. and so that's kind of a long way of answering it, but I think it's a mix of all those things, man. So you think a lot of it is like the life experience and, and what you tell yourself from it. It, the thing that changed my life the most dude was, was learning personal development and learning three words. I like myself, Mm. Brian Tracy, psychology of selling. That was the very first book I've ever read on personal development. And that book changed my life. I like myself. So I like myself. I'm curious about like the Pectus Exavatum thing where um, people were making fun of you. Because I, I definitely remember kids, you know, I was going to daycares in middle school, high school. There was definitely guys who had the same thing, right? Um, but I never thought it was something to make fun of them for. Like for me, I had seen uh, people like kind of joke about eating cereal out of their chest, right? Yeah, but yeah. for me, it was always like a funny thing, I right? actually have a video on YouTube of me doing that. <laughs> so so for you, was it comments like that? Or do is it common that a lot of people get like fucking put down for that shit? 
No, it was more of a self self inflicted um, belief, just because I had this. Because I remember one of the times, like, just imagine, okay, put yourself in my shoes, growing up as a little kid, right? I think it was when I was like five or six. I was at the pool, the community pool, and I was in, waiting in line for the high dive to jump off the diving board, and. I had my shirt off, right? And I was just so self-conscious about the way I looked. I didn't want to get made fun of, right? That I was just covering up my chest. Like, like I was just kind of tr trying to cover it up with my hands so no one would see. Which actually makes you stand out more because you look weird. Like you're tr like you're like almost like cold or something mm -hmm. like this. And you're tr clearly trying to hide something so people notice you more. The kids around me waiting for the high dive noticed. One kid goes, whoa, what's going on with your chest? And that made me just like go, whoa. And then all the kids turn around like this. So imagine... 15 kids all of a sudden look at you and start pointing, whoa, right? And then some start laughing, girls start giggling, guys are like laughing, what the fuck? Like, you know, like little kids. And then they're just, they're just like, they're trying to move your arms and you just feel helpless in that situation. All you want to do is cry, mm. right? That's how I felt. All I want to do is cry and just get away from it. All I just desperately wanted for them to do was to get distracted by something else so they could stop talking about me. Yeah. That experience travels with you mentally. So the next time you in a similar situation where you're at a pool with friends. So I get invited to a pool party with one of my friends, right? For, for his birthdays, I show up in a basketball Jersey and I swim in a basketball shirt Jersey. Cause I'm so scarred by that incident. I don't want to get, have that happen again. So I'm swimming in an Allen Iverson Sixers Jersey. And uh, the only other person swimming in a basketball Jersey is a kid who's clearly overweight and he's self-conscious about his body too. That was me as a kid. Yeah. I was always the fat kid and I started wearing a shirt to swim. Yeah. And then I would tell people, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a waterproof basketball Jersey. I just like wearing it. Right. Making up all these excuses, defending my, my self-conscious beliefs about my insecurities. And so, yeah, that, those, those, those memories stick with you. And then in high school, you know, high school is the worst time because for, especially cause you're going through puberty, you're, you're, you're in a, a huge school with other people and you're changing out in the gym. I would change out dude in the gym locker room in, uh, before Sisto's class. I would literally go to the stall and change out in the stall because I was afraid of other people making fun of me. Mm. I didn't want them to see the way I looked because I was just, I didn't want to have to experience that on a much bigger scale when I was older. Mm. And so I was like, dude, like when I got to college, I was like, dude, you're going to keep. So do you think it was that one childhood memory of that one time happening that kind of drove the fear moving forward or were there multiple instances? That was just one. There was okay. multiple, like uh, there was multiple of those, like. Uh, that was the one I remember the most because that one just kind of sticks with me. And do you think the intention from them was to bully or to them it was just kind of like a novel thing? And See, that's what I talk about now. I, yeah. I, I, tell, I tell kids this and guys that follow me, I'm like, dude, think about it like this. Put yourself in their shoes. You're at a pool and you see someone who has a weird looking chest, a hole in his chest. How would you react? You'd probably freak out a little bit too. Whoa, what the heck? Right? Yeah imagine them and so I, I think about it i'm like dude they weren't trying to bully me i don't think they were just reacting how any normal person would like nowadays i hike with my shirt off uh, going up a mountain or camelback or i always hike or i work out with my shirt in the park yeah. and people look but they don't react the way they they did before because now i smile at them and i keep walking and yeah. they're like they're like they, they, they notice it like this they're like oh hi and then yeah. they keep going right because I'm not making it a big deal. Mm. When I was making it a big deal, that's when it was a big deal. Mm. So I tell guys that, I'm like, dude, the only reason why people care about the way your chest looks or girls care about the way your chest looks is because you do. They see that you're insecure about it. They have that, they see that you're fearful, fearful about it. That's when they don't like you. They don't like you because of the way your chest looks. They don't like you because they can see it's affecting you mentally and it's leading you down a path where you're not confident in who you are. Damn, that's deep. I had another follow-up question, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> I don't know. But either way, dude, uh, I'm glad I went through those, those experiences growing up because it helped me realize that that was my kryptonite 
kind of like Superman, right? Yeah. Now it's my my driving force to like really get in tune with my mental state and realize that everything is because of your mind and the way you think about yourself and the way yeah. you see yourself. Yeah. Do you think, so that's the chip on the shoulder mentality. Do you think that is separate from ambition? Do you think those are two different sides of something that fuels one thing? Or do you think ambition is the result of a chip on the shoulder mentality? Because like the reason why I've asked this for anybody who's curious is because I've been thinking about like how I want to structure my business because um, even though I'm making more money today than I ever have, I'm just as stressed out, if not more stressed <laughs> yeah. out than I've ever been. Yeah. Because every fucking thing you do to make more money, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have new problems that arise, new thing, new fires to put out. Yeah. And so one concept I kind of learned about in business is like most people think they want the 30 million a year or hundred million a year business. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't realize that you're making a lot of trade-offs to even get to that level where you're probably actually as a business owner taking home more money and having way less stress and more of a life balance if you just say, I'm going to have a lifestyle business yeah. that's two to five million a year, yeah. right? Rather than 30 million a year. It's probably just as much work. You probably take home more at the end of the day mm -hmm. and you're way less stressed out. And so I'm when I realized that, I asked myself, well, what am I really going for here? Am I going for fucking domination of the market or am I going for a lifestyle business? And for me, just because of like the chip on the shoulder experiences I've had, it didn't feel right in my gut if I said, I'm just going to settle for two to five mil. Yeah. It felt like I was settling. Mm. And, and then I wondered to myself like, okay, obviously the chip on the shoulder is there, but then I also wondered, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, with chip on their shoulders, but they want to have the lifestyle business so what is it that really makes someone the type of person who says i don't feel satisfied at that level that's a good question i can say from personal experience for me it's just because i know i'm i'm, I'm meant for more because mm -hmm. i've I, I am where i am right but it's not where i can be i'm not done yet i'm you know i'm only 25 it's like dude i can do more and i i think it's just this gut feeling of like and you probably get this a lot more than me too it's just like dude it's just this gut feeling of like you just feel that you are not doing enough and it just eats at you and eats at you and eats at you. And then eventually it causes you to take action, start the podcast, right? Like you did. Yeah. And then finally make progress and then you feel good when you're doing it. You yeah. feel good editing it. You feel good taking these actions to do it. And so I think it comes from a little bit of the chip on the shoulder, which leads to the ambition for sure. Yeah. But then once you get to where you thought you wanted, for example, like my first goal, dude, when I was doing door-to-door -door sales was I want to make $100,000 a year. I want to make, make $100,000 a year. I make $100,000 a year. And then I hit it. It's like, dude, this, this wasn't what I thought it was, right? And so it's just like, what's next? What's next? So I think it's just always just realizing you're, you're not hitting your full potential and you're, you can do more. Um, I mean, think about it like, like guys like Tony Robbins. Why does he keep doing it, right? He doesn't yeah. need to work. Yeah. Guys like Elon Musk, they don't need to work. They could just call it quits right now, but they're, they're here. There's more to be done. Why not do it, right? So like I talk about with Clark a lot about this a lot, Clark Kegley, because we talk about this all the time. He goes, dude, yeah, like do you really want to want to run a $10 million, you know, $30 million company? Like it's a lot more stress. Like, and like you said, dude, like right now, thankfully for both of us, we're doing better than ever because we have online businesses. They're not physical businesses that require customers to come. And they're in. not getting looted. They're not getting looted. Right. And so I'm unless not, you go to the warehouse where my books are, which if you do, I'm going to find you. <laughs> yeah. And then that means I'm wasting ad spend on your books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I say that because it's like, thankfully we're in a position, we, we set ourselves up to be in a position where we are today to where we're doing better than ever in our businesses. And that's also at a point where you're realizing, and I realized this too. I was like, yeah, like, do you, 
do you like, what do you want? Do you want to have a lifestyle business or do you want to have a business where you have like 30 employees, 50 employees in the office space? Right. Mm. That's up now. Those are our problems now. Mm -hmm. Those are the thoughts we have now. Whereas before I just wanted to make 10 K online. Yeah. And then you hit it and it's like, well now what's possible. So I guess I'm kind of going over answering this, but I think it's just realizing for me at least that I can do more and there's more out there for me to do. And at the end of the day, my goal is not to have just a, an advertising firm that specializes in YouTube ads. My goal is to build a badass advertising firm like Mad Men in the 60s and 50s to where I can use that to then fund other cool projects like Overcome Your Genetics, my health and wellness brand. Mm. And then these retreats with other entrepreneurs just like us where we can invite our friends and family and just be able to just vibe and connect and, and make more money together, right? So, mm. um I just have all these visions of, of my head of these things. And I know I'm not gonna be able to get there if I just settle. Yeah. So you read a lot of audio books, right? Mm-hmm. Well, technically you listen to them. <laughs> yeah. So you're already lying. We're off to a bad start. Yeah, dude, sorry about I fucked up. Um, so have you ever listened to any books on happiness? Because I have not, and I've always been intrigued by it, but I've, I've always kind of put it off and I've always kind of like said, ah, I'd rather read the business or marketing book rather than the book on how to be happy right now. Mm. And, and it's kind of just always the one that I know I should read eventually, but I haven't. So I'm curious if you have, and if you've have any insight on how to just be happier, not settle, but like, I don't know. I I definitely struggle myself with just a a constant anxiety Mm. all the time. I go to bed with it and I wake up with it. And it didn't start until I had to start fending for myself and paying my own bills after dental school. Um, and, and obviously now I'm not in a position to where uh, I have to, to logically worry about that kind of stuff. But the other day I had such bad anxiety when I was walking my dog that I literally had to say, um, you're good. Oh, yeah. You're good. Self-affirmation. You don't have to worry about your fucking bills. You yeah. can pay them. Yeah. Right. You're good. Stop fucking freaking out. Yeah. And uh and that was just like my own way to kind of self-soothe. So I'm, I'm curious to get your take on if you know, like any, like mm-hmm. what, what's your take on this and have you kind of researched it at all? Yeah. So one thing I wanted to say before was that the problems, like the, the thing you just told about how you had to tell yourself you were good, even though you're, you're doing better than ever right now is the same things that I'm experiencing as well, because it's like, we're doing better than ever, but we still have the same problems and fears and what if and doubts and whatever, yeah. right? Even though we're doing better. And that's, I think that's always going to be there. And I think that's why it help, kind of helps you drive there. I know Dean still has those fears too as well. Mm. It's like everyone, guys at the highest level do. So one of the best books I've ever read on mental, on, on mindset and just happiness, it's not really a happiness book. It's called The Untethered Soul by, uh, I think, Michael A. Singer. Untethered Soul, Michael A. Singer. And that book really... <laughs> makes you realize how insignificant we really are as human beings in this crazy world, right? Because if you really think about it, dude, one of the lines in this book says, when you get in your car next or you start feeling anxious or worried or stressed, take a big deep breath. And realize that you are in the middle of an infinite universe on a small speck of dust and you're one thousandth one millionth of that speck of dust and the galaxy is just going to keep spinning regardless of whether you're here or not so when you really think about the problems you have right now do they really even matter and are you going to allow them to take away from your happiness of being here and just realizing that the fact that you're here and you're able to experience this moment right now is truly breathtaking right now we're in this room we're you know, living an amazing life. We have 
technology podcast. We're breathing. We have healthy bodies. And there's millions of people in this world that don't even have the next meal coming to them. They have to hunt for their next meal, right? Like what's really wrong right now? And so that book helped me realize that really our problems are so insignificant when we really think about them because at the end of the day, dude, we're on a speck of dust in the, in the middle of an infinite universe spinning and it's going to keep spinning since day one. And what really matters? Like what really matters? Nothing, dude. So if nothing really matters, then what's the point? That may make, make you wonder, okay, well, if nothing matters, then why should I even try? Well, why should you, why, why, why do you, why wouldn't you try? Because imagine if nothing really matters, why not just go for it, dude? So I guess I say that because it, it made, that book made me realize that like, dude, the only moment, the only moments when you're unhappy is when you're not present. Because when you're present, you can be grateful for where you're at, what you have, and you can realize that nothing's really wrong right now. At this moment, nothing is really wrong right now because you're here, you're breathing, and you're experiencing and the only times I catch myself getting anxious, worried, or stressed is when I'm in my own head, bro. Yeah. Thinking about problems that haven't happened yet. Thinking <clears> about what ifs this person, cl this, this client cancels, this, this bill's due. I can't, like, uh, think about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. And I'm just going down this rabbit hole. Why? Yeah. Because I'm not present. So <clears throat> I've heard similar things about the presence before. Uh, Untethered Soul. I need to fuck it. Is, is that how he fucking reads it too? Dude, it's a good book. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm going to use my next Audible credit, which I have currently, so I'll do it after this Untethered podcast. Untethered Soul or um, uh, freaking... Dude, why can't I think of his name right now? This is the, like the most one of the most famous... Uh, I don't know. I can't think about it. Victor Frankl. No, dude. I want to actually pull it up just because. It's... uh, Dude, this guy has the, the, I'll actually play it right now, a little clip of you, so you can see how, okay. how, he, how he speaks. Um, oh, it's a, right here. Hold on. Practicing, oh, The Power of Now. Okay. The Power of Now. Yeah, I have that book. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Listen. The greatest obstacle to experiencing the reality of your connectedness is identification with your mind, which causes thought to become compulsive. Not to be able to stop thinking is a dreadful affliction. But we don't realize this because almost everybody is suffering from it, so it is considered normal. This incessant mental noise prevents you from finding that realm of inner stillness that is inseparable from being. It also creates a false mind-made self that casts a shadow of fear and suffering. Identification with your mind creates an opaque screen of concepts, labels. Basically, he's saying, dude, identifying with your mind is the number one disease that people suffer from because you are not your mind. You are yeah. the observer of your mind. So imagine yourself 30,000 feet above from us right now observing you right now. That's, that's really you. Yeah. But then who's the observer of the observer, right? Yeah. So you're not really you. We're not really us in this body right now. We're spiritual. We're spiritual beings having a, a physical experience. Mm. But we can jump out of this role and, and go above and see and observe ourselves right here. Yeah. So if that's the case, then what are the thoughts that are happening to us? Who's giving the thoughts? And that's when the mindset becomes so powerful because you're the observer and you can feed the thoughts into the person having the experiences right now, us right now. As the observer, we can feed the minds into our into where we are, so we can control our destiny by controlling our thoughts. But most people are suffering from a disease of just 
random thoughtfulness, yeah. letting the thoughts run wild and letting them control their dictation because the thoughts, this is why meditation is so powerful. You're the observer and you're the one feeding the thoughts until Neuralink is implanted in your fucking brain, bro. <laughs> yeah. And then, then it's Elon the and you. Or we can have this guy fucking, uh, ah, dude, I can't remember his name. We can have this guy do it. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be a lot more peaceful probably. Yeah. I mean, so for me, like I've definitely tried to be more present. I've tried meditation <laughs> mm. and when I do it consistently, I, I notice my ability to be present in conversations yeah. improves. But in the moment, if I'm meditating to feel less anxiety about whatever I'm anxious about. And again, I didn't even, I don't think I had real anxiety until I was like 25 when I started having to pay my own bills. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and for me, when I'm such in a fucking anxious mood, uh, almost like adrenaline driven, it's hard for me to be like, okay, I'm present. I hear the fucking noise. I'm not thinking thoughts. There's walls around me. I'm I'm being I'm being as present as I can possibly mm-hmm. be. But it's still there, mm. right? Yeah. And so, like, I hate to be that guy who says it's harder than it sounds. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know. Am I doing it wrong? No, no. Okay. Because it's it's always going to be there. Yeah. And that's the point of practicing meditation. Because if you think about it, meditation. What I've realized when I was trying to meditate for the very first few times, it took me about three months to realize. It took me about three months of constant every single day meditation for 20 minutes to finally get it. And when I got it, it made so much sense because what happens when I got it was I realized the point is not to try to do anything. Mm. The point is just to be and let things happen as they're going to happen. Yeah. So when you meditate, the point is to not, to not think. The point is to see the thoughts come in and then let them go. You mm. see them, they're there. Cool. Then you're focused again. You're focused on the present. You're, you're just letting the thoughts come in and come out just as fast as they came in. And so that feeling is always going to be there because it's still there for me. And I practice meditation, right? And probably more than you, but I still have that feeling. But it's just realizing like, okay, it's going to be there, but I can change it right now by thinking of something more positive. Mm. And that's what I choose to focus on. Have you ever taken psychedelic drugs? Yeah, shrooms. Okay. Weed. What, what's been your experience on the shrooms? <sighs> shrooms was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, because it made me realize that what the level of awareness you can have with the universe and your thoughts and other people on shrooms is just an heightened awareness that you can achieve naturally through meditation. If you just really practice and you're like on like a Buddha level. So I guarantee you Buddha trips on shrooms every day naturally because he's just so tapped into the universe. So what shrooms helped me realize was it was an experience an enlightened experience to make me realize that at the end of the day, dude, the answer is as cliche as it sounds, as cheesy as it sounds, dude, it's fucking love. Just love for each other, bro. And nothing is really wrong in this world. When I was on shrooms, dude, it was an heightened state of who I am and who I've become through my experiences. Someone who's positive, someone who wants to do more, someone who wants to bring people together. All I wanted to do was love everybody else. And I was just, it, it, it hurt me in the moment when I was on shrooms to see other people upset or pissed off or angry at, at like their circumstances or their life or just their whatever. I was like, dude, what's really wrong right now? Yeah. What's really wrong right now? Dude, this is sick. This yeah. is awesome. Look where we are, dude. Life's fucking sick. And that was, that was, that was uh, an amazing experience for me. And I've done shrooms since then. And it, it's, it always is. It's just an heightened awareness of where you are in your mindset. Because one of my friends who did shrooms with me that day, his was the opposite. 
he's not someone as positive as me. He's not someone as motivated or, or personal development, working on his mindset. And he had a bad experience. He went down a rabbit hole and that rabbit hole led him to a place where he realized he wasn't happy with who he was. And because he wasn't happy with who he was, he had a shitty experience and it brought up a lot of things that he was trying to force down. Mm. So I don't advocate doing shrooms, but for me, I mean, I don't advocate it and I don't not advocate it. Yeah. I should say, I would advise you to do it from my experience when you are in a state where you are comfortable with who you are and where you are. Mm. So I guess I'm also curious to hear like, what was the experience like for you? Like describe it to someone who's never experienced shrooms because from someone who's never experienced it, I've only taken them once and I can tell you kind of what my experience was, but I'm curious to hear yours first. Okay. Um, like, what was it like? Cause I can describe what it's like to be high. Cause we've yeah. been high before on weed. Right. Yeah. But what was it like to be high on shrooms? And is it like the, the, these realizations just start fucking hitting you left and right? Or is it like a thing that you have to reflect on? Mm. Like, what is it like? And when does it happen? And how, how do you notice that the, they're kicking in things like that? Yeah. So I'll give you guys the rundown. So basically, uh, this was maybe about a month or two after I broke my right ankle, the senior year of college at ASU. So Literally the night before college graduation, when I was graduating from Arizona State University, I went out with a few of my cousins from San Antonio. I got way too drunk with some of my roommates. We were all graduating the next day, and I woke up and my ankle was broken. And I had to get a, a emergency surgery a week later. So anyways, I, I show up to graduation on, on crutches and shit. My family was crazy. But anyways, two months after that, I'm in a boot. So I'm able to walk on this boot. And like, that was like a really depressing moment of my life during that time because I just graduated college. I was ready to start my life, start my job. And then I'm in a cast and I can't even walk. And I'm at my parents' place again. They're feeding me and bringing me food because I can't even like move around without crutches and shit. Terrible. I was really depressed. And um, fast forward to like uh, the second month, I actually moved into back into my apartment for college because I was staying with my parents because they were helping me move around because I was on crutches. But I moved back into my apartment on crutches because I got in a fight with my brother, a fist fight. And so I just didn't want to be around the house anymore. And so I moved into my apartment and then I got in the boot and I was able to walk again. So it was kind of cool. Or the cast. I can walk in the cast. So my friend says, yo, I got shrooms. You want to take them? <laughs> and I was just in the moment. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Mm -hmm. And so we blend up the shrooms in the blender and uh, we, I think we just did like some some green drink, like some spin. I don't know. It was like some weird. Was this green. recent? No, this was well senior year of college. Okay. So like when I was 21, 22, yeah, twenty maybe twenty one. Uh, so like maybe like four years, five years ago. Okay. Four years ago, and so we drink the we drink the shrooms, right? We, we took about a, a, a normal dose, like three point eight grams, I think it was for each of us, and nothing happened for the first thirty minutes. I was just sitting on the couch. He was cleaning up some dishes. And then on the 30 minute mark, well, like the fifth, at the 15 minute mark, my stomach started hurting like really, really bad. I was like, oh, dude, this hurts, bro. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm going to puke. And it was like 10 minutes of just, just, oh, my stomach was hurting. I was like, God, this sucks. And then after like 25 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes, that's when I was on the couch and I started, I had some music playing on the speaker and I just started seeing the music on the walls. The fuck? Yeah. What did it look like? Vibrations. Like so it's like a like a glitch effect in a video, like a like a glitch effect in a video, bro. Like, yeah. oof, like the the walls were moving, dude. Was it like, a like long, purples and greens? It and was blues? In, it was in perfect synchronicity to the song, mm. and the song that was playing was this guy. Uh, it was like this beautiful song, dude. I kind of feel like high right now just thinking about it, to be <laughs> honest. And it's just I'm just seeing these walls move, and then I know I look over at my friend, and he's on the kitchen, and he's he's looking at the walls like this too. The fuck? Yeah, we both start tripping. 
And then he's, he's, he lays on the couch with me and we're just looking up at the walls, just experiencing it. And then I'm like, bro, I want to get outside. Let's go. Let's go outside. I want to get outside. And so we go out to his pool right next to his, his place, the apartment complex pool. And we're just, just experiencing. That's the best way I can describe it. Just experiencing the moment. It like, I, we, 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 and the one thing that we didn't want to be around was technology. I put my phone, I left my phone inside. I was like, we were gone away from our phones for like an hour, just in the pool, literally sitting outside in sunlight, looking at the palm trees and just like in awe of like this world. And just the, the colors were brighter. Everything seemed more enhanced. My, my, my perceptions of my breath, the, my awareness was, everything was enhanced. That's all the best way I can describe it. And then we ended up driving to uh, my place which I don't recommend to drive on it, but uh, we ended up driving down the street before it really started hitting us to get to my apartment complex. And then uh, we were in a, man, it was just, it was just more of an experience. And that experience made me realize like any, uh, everything's possible and it's all love. And it was just like, dude, everything was enhanced. And I was like, this is so awesome that I can achieve this state naturally if I really wanted to. Cause it was just nothing, no different, dude. It was just an heightened, it was just a way to tap into my internal senses on a, on a quicker way. Mm. If that makes sense. So at what point in that trip did you realize that love was the answer? <sighs> it was when I saw my friend start, uh, start kind of having a bad experience. He, he, he literally left. I was too, I think it was, I was just too, me and my other friend were just too positive that he just took off and went, went to go chill in our place. And, and I was just looking around at everybody at the pool that day. And I was just like, I could just feel, I could feel that some people just weren't happy, dude. And I felt how I, I felt the way they felt in that moment, how I felt when I was getting made fun of at the pool, you know, mm. that same feeling. And it hurt me to see them like really just not happy with themselves or like pissed off. And I was just like, I could feel it. And I was like, dude, what? Like, I just want to go hug everybody. Yeah. Dude, I love you. <laughs> that's how I, I really wanted to do that. I was yeah. like, I, just, I love you, dude. Yeah. And so it was like, just, it was just a crazy experience, man. But since that day, I, I just, I think that was a pivotal moment in my life where I just wanted to, to do more. Mm. I, I feel like that's crazy. Cause that was definitely before I met you probably like right before. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen you like up any like if there's a spectrum of emotions and this side is negative and this this side is positive i've never seen you cross the midline to the negative side mm. personally um which is crazy because we've throughout the last few years on and off spent a lot of time around each other right mm -hmm. and so yeah man that that's insane that you kind of had that realization and it literally like dictated your mindset moving forward yeah it, it just it helped me the best thing that shrooms did for me was help me experience the fact that everything i thought to be true and person like everything I thought to be true is true. Like you can do whatever you want, when you want, however you want, it's up to you. And the answer is love. Like just love everybody, sympathize with everybody, be empathetic to everybody, try to understand people before you judge them, try yeah. to understand people before you criticize them, condemn them, complain them. Everyone's going through their own shit. That was my big, everyone's going through their own shit internally, struggling mentally. And it honestly made me want to microdose the world with shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone could just mic just take a little bit, of just a little bit, and yeah. just be like, how much world, how much better, how much more peaceful will the world be? Yeah. At least once in the right environment. And if they're in the right state to actually do it, because yeah. like I said, you got to be comfortable with who you are, because if you're not, I think it's really going to bring up some stuff that you're just trying to push down and mm. not deal with. Mm. Um, it's a tool, bro. It's a medicine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, 
I forgot what I was going to say, but um, the only thing that's coming up for me now is like kind of how I had a similar experience um, as far as like when it started, because the only time I'd done it, and it was like two years ago on Thanksgiving or like Christmas or somewhere like that, because I went back to Kansas to visit my friends for the holiday. And I was with my my best friend from Kansas and I saw on his Snapchat story or he, he sent me a Snapchat he had a big Ziploc bag just filled with shrooms, just like it was round, you know, yeah. um, and because he's he's got money, but he's he's the type of guy who's satisfied with where he's at and yeah. he's just enjoying it. And yeah. I've, he's always positive and happy, too, um, which is ironic because he's also kind of a dickhead sometimes. <laughs> but he's always like he's always like life is good and life mm-hmm. is how, however, however I want to live it. I'm just going to have fun. He's like a rock star kind of mm-hmm. in that mentality. And so anyways, I go there and I'm like, yo. <laughs> we're not going to smoke weed. I want, I want to see if you have some of those shrooms still. Right. He goes, Oh, you want to take shrooms? I was like, yeah, I've never done it, but I've always heard about experiences like yours, like how you have good realizations. I forget that my friend Bobby is just, he's like a rock star. So he'll do shrooms just for the sake of doing them. You know, not, he doesn't give a fuck about the mindset, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and so we start taking shrooms. He gives me a little bit and he starts turning on movies and, Cause he likes to like somehow like just like how people like to smoke an indica and watch a movie when they go to bed. He'll at that time he was taking shrooms and watching a couple of movies and then going to bed eventually. Mm. And so I didn't realize this cause it's like midnight and he's like, well, if we're taking shrooms, I guess I'm not going to work tomorrow cause we're going to be up all night. I didn't realize it's kind of like a stimulant, you yeah. know, it's like eight hours too. It lasts for like eight hours. Yeah. And so uh, we take the shrooms and I'm like, well, how do we know we're going to, it's going to kick in? Like, what do I feel? He goes, oh, you'll know. Mm-hmm. And so he turns on mission impossible. Like the last one that came out <laughs> and, uh, and we were watching it and I remember my stomach hurt. I thought I was going to have like a really bad diarrhea or something. Yeah. Cause like throughout the whole time my stomach was hurting. I kept going to the bathroom, but nothing was coming out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, and so I'd go back to the couch and I'd lay there and eventually, um, I just start laughing hysterically. And like, you know how you take, you, you get high on weed and you start laughing. You think things yeah. are funny. This is the opposite. I'm laughing more hysterically than I've ever laughed, but I do not find anything funny. And I'm conscious of the fact that nothing around here is funny and I can't stop laughing, which was freaking me out. Mm. You know, I was like, why can't I control the fact that I'm laughing hysterically and anybody observing me would have thought I was having a fucking blast yeah. when I'm scared. You know, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Cause my, he told me nothing to expect. He's just like, you'll, you'll fucking know. Just chill out, go over there and sit down, you know? Yeah. And he turns on the movie and I just remember the movie was like making my heart race because the theme song to this action movie, this, the songs were affecting my emotions, mm. you know, like, so it's intense thriller music. And I, my heart was like, felt like it was a thriller. Like I was just, everything was super high beat, high strong. And I was like on edge the whole time. Um, and then <laughs> apparently I saw this, uh, t- hearing about other people talk about what, how to experience psychedelics the right way. I think it was on Netflix. There's this new show about like these celebrities who've taken psychedelics and stuff. So I watched that and they were saying rule number two, don't look in your eyes when you fucking like in the mirror, in the mirror, don't look in the mirror when, cause I did that. And I swear to God, I I freaked myself out. I looked like a fucking meth head tweaker because I looked in the mirror and I looked in my eyes and my pupils, you know how it's colored. Oh yeah. So my pupils were so big that my iris, the colored part of your eye it was, it's a muscle. It was twitching to struggle to be on the edge. So my pupils were just, it was all pupil. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Anyways, I go back down and I sit down on the couch 
and um, and the, the 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 laughing it comes in waves. So it lasts about thirty seconds, turn off for three minutes. Lasts mm. about another thirty seconds, turn off for ten minutes. You know, <laughs> um, and that was at the beginning. And then after I kind of just started ignoring the movie because it was freaking me out too much. Um, I just laid there and closed my eyes and I was like, all right, let's try to have a good experience and let's try to fucking see if I can have any good realizations. And I had heard about like astral projection and I always wondered if that was like a real thing. If you could like project your fucking consciousness out and like yeah. walk around somewhere else or something. So I was, I don't think I actually did it, but I was trying to imagine myself observing myself. Mm. Right. And so when I tried to picture it, I got this mental picture of me and my buddy sitting in this dark room looking at a screen and it, it was just a mental image. So it wasn't me like observing us, but in my head, I, we, we looked like we were sitting on just fucking block furniture and we were just stick figures, like gray stick figures looking at this screen that was emitting light and we we're just staring at it. Hmm. And, and then I realized at that moment, yo, Everybody right now, if they're awake, is sitting in a dark room on block furniture looking at a fucking screen that emits light. And in that moment, I realized, what the fuck am I like? What is what is the purpose of all of this? Mm. And I asked myself that and I was like, no matter if you're broke and you live in a shitty house or a shack or if you're fucking Dean Graziosi and you just bought a fucking estate, bro, <laughs> and you're sitting in your fucking room. At the end of the day, we're all just sitting on furniture looking at a screen that emits light. Everybody's the exact <laughs> fucking same. And here's what's crazy. Everything that we do when we're not doing that is ambition towards getting a bigger room with bigger furniture to look at a bigger screen that emits more light. Jesus. And I was like, yo, at the end of the day, our ambitions and goals is all just to get a bigger room and a bigger screen. Yeah. And I was like that kind of makes me feel like we're just kind of worthless ants, like you said, on the untethered soul, sitting on a spinning rock in space, trying to make sense out of nothing. Yeah. What if there is no sense out of this? Yeah. What if there is no purpose? Yeah. At the end of the day, you're a speck on a speck spinning around in a big empty room yep. with a bunch of other specks, mm -hmm. right? And so I realized, well, if that's really the true nature of like living and what if, what if what, all the things that we worry about on a day-to-day -day basis are literally just in our own head, trying to attain a bigger room with a bigger screen, you know? And so I realized, well, if that's the case, Donald Trump is winning this fucking game because he gives no fucks and he'll say whatever he want. And at the end of the day, it got him the result of being the man in charge of all the other people looking at fucking screens. Yeah. And he's usually the one on the screen, right? And so it made me just realize it is what you make of it. Mm -hmm. And literally for me, I'm just going to make it the best fucking ride ever. Yeah. You know? And so that's why I, I never want to settle. Cause I feel like if I'm settling, I'm just settling for this screen with this light on this fucking block furniture. And I'm just a gray stick figure like everybody else. Damn. So that was my, but that it took me a lot of reflecting on what that memory, that, that moment on mm -hmm. shrooms meant. Mm -hmm. Cause I realized it, but I didn't know what sense to make of it until I thought back on it, you know? Yeah. hundred percent, dude. And like to the to complete complete opposite the, do the opposite of that. I had another shroom experience recently, actually, when I was having a really bad mental uh, dialect with me and my dialogue because I was settling and being comfortable rather than like challenging myself. This is when I was talking to you about you know should I stay with uh, you know Dean and keep keep growing that with him or can I go off and do my own thing? And it was like this. Con I was smoking weed every day to try to avoid this this constant contemplation of of 
taking the taking the quote unquote risk and going as a full time entrepreneur and building my business. Right. And I remember take shrooms one time, actually, and I went to work and uh, I just felt like the vibe was so toxic and I just wanted to get out of there. I ended up walking to a park right by the office of where uh, we were working at. And I just started breaking down in the, in the middle of this this school uh, football yard, like 50 yard line field. I just started bawling my eyes out, dude, because I was realizing I was tripping and I was realizing that I wasn't becoming the, the man I've always wanted to be, which was the man I wanted to desperately have in my life as a father figure. Mm. And because I wasn't challenging myself to push myself to go off and do my own thing, to, to, to film these YouTube videos, to to share my story, to create this business, I was settling and I was being playing comfortable. And I broke down. I had an opposite experience of what my first experience was with shrooms because I was trying to push down these feelings of, it's okay, dude, you're doing good. You're making money, whatever, right? But then it got brought up when I did the shrooms. And I started breaking down. And it was like a positive breakdown because I was like, fuck. Dude, this is crazy. I'm feeling this wave of emotions that are negative, but I'm, I'm glad I'm feeling them because this is telling me, like, you could be doing more, dude. And you should be doing more. And you're going to hurt a lot of people if you don't. Mm. no one's gonna like a lot of people aren't gonna be able to be saved if you don't yeah so like as much as i were talking about shrooms is like a good experience too it's like sometimes they'll bring up that experience where you need to have it and it might be bad but then it'll it'll teach you things that that you might not have wanted to learn but you needed to so if you're listening to this stay safe do drugs and uh <laughs> and fuck the face mask and fuck a face mask, <laughs> bro uh we should end it there because yeah. i definitely think that's a high note and we're about two hours in but we need to have you back on i feel like there's so many things we can talk about yeah um especially with all the shit going on in the world let's do it bro yeah but this is great man thank you so yeah, much appreciate you <laughs> cool peace out guys later boys